This week on Invasion the Podcast, we continue with our Year of Carpenter and look at the only sequel he's ever made with 1986 Escape from L.A. Is this a fun vacation out west or a seedy tourist trap? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. It's the invasion of the podcast. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Okay. Show me. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Another year of Carpenter. Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, trying to take over the world one listener at a time. This is our year of Carpenter episode. My name is Paul Hotshot Stedman, and over, over there somewhere is Steve Hotshot King. Because the word hot shot is said 87 times by Stacey Keachin's film. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll take it over the uh, four times that, uh, uh, oh, God, I just blanked on his name, the hippie character, Peter Fonda. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pipeline. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pipeline says uh, something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, brother. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like he calls him something. And now I'm completely blanking. This is what I, this is one of the things I hate about the show is, is it's like, Let's start with a funny intro, and then like my mind just goes completely. No, you're blank. right. No, it's all it's just um, there. There are parts of this movie that you can see the intent on paper working, but I don't think it's definitely. I don't think it comes through on the screen. But yeah, so yeah, we're gonna be talking about Escape from LA. Uh, you know, I think this is gonna be a fun talk. It's just gonna be maybe maybe not like of all the of all the Carpenter works, maybe not the longest talk we're gonna have. I'll just put it that way. Uh, but. Um, and I know there is some division about people liking this film or not. And, and we have, and I, I have some context to, to help, you know, shave some of the edges off of this when we get there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm Steve, I'm going to ask you what you did over the weekend and we will talk about that. But should we talk about like the thing we, we just did? Cause like we don't get to see each other often, but yet here we are recording again, like 24 hours later. Yeah, and that's really why I tanked the opening was is that I'm already like used up. Like you got to give me some time to refuel. <laughs> like, so. did, did you like wake up with like your like your stomach like you're just like sore and you're like, oh my, your knees hurt. Like you're like, I just need a week to get over recording a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It like, didn't go. It didn't go like three and a half hours. I was just like, I didn't know what to do with all that extra time. <laughs> you just you went and cleaned your kitchen. You're like, I had to do something. Yeah, <laughs> but, basically. Yeah. So so what did we do? Uh, so I was like, wait, what did we do? Uh, we were guests on, uh, talk without rhythm. Elgora was nice to have us on for alien day, uh, four twenty six, uh, based on the popular alien planet, uh, SETI alpha five. Um, that's a joke. If you guys listen to that episode, but, uh, no, uh, he had us on to talk about two comics, uh, alien sacrifice and alien salvation. Uh, it was a fun talk. Uh, you know me, I'm always happy to talk about comics, uh, and uh, El Goro certainly knows his alien, uh, and Paul was happy to get another chance to bite at the apple that is Alien 3. I feel like that was really your moment. You were like, I'm going to champion this movie no matter what. And then 
El Goro chimed in, and I was the odd man out on that conversation. But I think yeah. you're, I think you're throwing a backhanded compliment at me about saying the word apple. Just I think you're uh, <laughs> well. It, season's starting uh, soon, right? Are you seeing? I've showed I've showed already? you pictures of my tree. They're in full bloom right now, and that is. It is that it, it's like that beautiful, like, it's like, this is the most beautiful and terrified I am of the, like, I, it's beautiful, but I'm like, I don't like what happens next. You know, <laughs> you know, well, maybe if you just you know, go out there every day and then, you know, pick up an apple every day, then that's the saying, right? It, it'll <laughs> yeah. help you keep the doctor awake. Sure. You go out and clean up apples every day. Yeah. I mean, I, if I just go out and like set a fire to it each day, then apples won't be there. Right. No. But uh, anyway, so no, I just, yeah, the, the alien day talk was a lot of fun. Um, like, yeah, you're right. I will champion, uh, the assembly cut, uh, of alien three. And I think that was very tonally appropriate for the books we could talked about. It is available for free on uh, talk without rhythms, um, feed. It is a Patreon episode, but he, you know, as Ogoro does, if he has guests on, he generally releases those for free for people to listen to go check that out. It was a fun couple hours. Um, and this, like his, his knowledge of like leading into how those books existed and his relationship with the franchise. And then also your relationship with like the people that make the art, like this was, it was like, it was one of those good nuts and bolts talks. And then I'm just like, let me just run in here and just say some stuff and run out, you know? So no, you had plenty to say. And actually, you know, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't listen to it yet, but uh, you know, after we got done, I was like, man, I hope I was clear and concise. Cause I, I have a tendency, particularly when it comes to talking about comic art, because it's a visual medium. So trying to describe it, uh, while we're talking is another like visual, uh, or I'm sorry, audio blocker for me where I'm like, am I doing this justice by even talking about it you're, and trying to explain yeah. some concepts because your five to 10 minute defense of Scott Adams though, got a little weird. Um, uh, well, you know, I mean, he's my ride or die, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he's your ride or die. You're like, you're like, you know, like of all the, of all the people out there making uh, like drawing comics. Uh, see, I got Steve mad at me. Yeah, uh, my dogs have decided <laughs> to just start wrestling. Uh, middle of the opening because you questioned uh, Scott Adams. That that because like yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just getting upset at the, the, the like sound of his name. <laughs> All right, you guys, okay. calm down. All right, they're well, both you, looking at me like what? Yeah, if you need to, if you need to ref the fight, let me know. Like we can we can hit the pause. But that was a that was really well timed uh, dog rouse. <laughs> I appreciate. No, that. I am now being licked, so we're we're good. All right, there you go. It sounds like you're having a better night than me. I'm kidding. I, I, so. Uh, yeah, before like go check out the talk without rhythm thing. We we're tagged in it. We can um, we can post it on our our um, social media page. I mean, not that I'm sure the the footprint's much larger on his side than ours. Um, and, but yeah, anyway, so was there anything else over the weekend that you got into, but like uh, before we had that talk about alien, uh, so there, there's some, some big things to talk about. So I don't know if you want to go first, cause, uh, I know that we don't do news and we don't have game in this episode. So it's probably going to be a shorter episode, but I do have something that I want to discuss. So, okay. um, that may take yeah. a little time just yeah. for me. Like I was just trying to like, um, because I, uh, I do. I love podcasting. I love. I love people t- I've talked to and the things that we do. I decided to be a glutton and sign up for four podcasts this week. Two that we normally do, and then two additional. One is the alien one we just talked about, uh, the show, and then uh, Strange Highways with my other podcast husband Terry, and um, and our and, and friend of the show Trevor, uh, who does the Theater of War podcast. I'm going to go on there, um, and I I know Trevor's a good guy. Guys, calm down. Uh, and we're, we're going to be talking about the very short film, uh, Gettysburg, which is four and a half hours long. 
Um, his his podcast it goes into an actual event of like warfare, and then talks about a film that is like that was um, you know the the story of like basically talks about the the whatever happened, and then if there's a movie that was made upon that that uh, event, and that's the way he usually does his show. Uh, this is going to be a little different because there's no way in hell that we'd be able to get into like like the, the huge amount of history going into what was going into Gettysburg and then try to dissect the four and a half hour movie, which it's still going to be a fun talk. But I got to tell you though, um, and you're like, you know what? I could sit down and watch a four and a half hour movie. And you're like, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to pause for a second. It's been 30 minutes. You're like, Oh no, you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> so I'm guessing that, uh, this is going to be a debate style episode where you'll yeah. be defending the Confederacy. I'm going to be is defending that- it. That's going to be, you know, no, it's, no, no. Um, it's just well because I mean it, it is interesting because you know he he is um, like Trevor's from Florida I'm I'm from West Virginia and I'm sure there's been different um, uh, different ways that the events have been portrayed and I think we're going to get no. into that a little bit I know right no, American no, no. history that can't be yeah I, I would like I think that'd just be funny if they if somehow Florida released a cut of Gettysburg that's like 45 minutes long of all of them just all the the Confederate guys to smile and walk around like just riding around horses talking about how they're gonna they're gonna win and deliver a letter to, to Lincoln himself in Washington and then they'd be like and that's like the end you know that's the end of, that would be the end of the movie right um, but what yeah. what year is Gettysburg? Uh, the actual f- battle or the film? No, the film. Oh, because I was going to say the battle is 1863. I think I think the VHS release was 1865. I'm kidding. One second. Uh, where was it? Um, the, what I'll say this, though, and I, I'm sure I'll talk about this more on the episode itself, is that there was three films that were kind of a, like, this was 93 when this came out. And I forget, and there was a, a movie made after, there was two films made after it. However, I think one was, intended to be one was a prequel called gods and monsters um that brought back a lot of the cast from this but it kind of told some stories leading up to the gettysburg but there's one character that was not in gettysburg which was stonewall jackson because he had already died in terms of like you know the, the history right so gods and monsters gets a little is it gods and monsters or gods and generals i can't remember the name of the movie right now but there's a little gods bit, and monsters uh, is the story of uh james whale who's the director of frankenstein there you go gods and generals that's it it was the prequel that i looked it up right uh here's he, there's this weird bit where stonewall jackson's trying to explain to his his slaves that he owns about why he's fighting like like for them no, it's a really weird thing. I'm just like, like, don't you like, basically he's like, you know, don't you pre like, like the life I've given you hasn't like, they want to take that away. It's like, yeah, they kind of do. They kind of do Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> it's a little weird, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a fun talk. Yeah. The reason I asked about the year was, is I was trying to remember if I've seen it and I, I have very vivid memories of watching glory in school like, I, I feel like there was literally, like, a campaign where it was, like, we're sending out free copies of Glory to, to schools, you know, along with, like, Pepsi branding or something along those lines, which I know sounds really awful the way uh, Well, because I, I like that you say that because, like, since Coke's based out of Atlanta, it's like, <laughs> Pepsi, we're on the right side of history. Enjoy Glory. I swear to God, we had some sort of weird, like, connection to Pepsi for <laughs> at my school for some reason. Like, I feel like they were involved in some way with our education <laughs> so it's it's literally like that simpsons uh episode where uh you know the kid answers pepsi and and he's like partial credit yeah um it's just like oh pepsi you know like you got cool cans you know what's cool with the cool cans people emancipation like thanks pepsi <laughs> you know 
and, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I do, I do, I have very vivid memories of watching Glory, and I thought I watched Gettysburg in high school, but if it came out in in '93, chances are it, you know, I would have been out of high school May of '93, so chances are I didn't watch it for that. Maybe I watched it for something in college, but, uh, yeah, that's I. I was hoping that maybe the information that you were giving might jog my memory, gotcha. but perhaps I haven't seen it at all. Um, well, I mean, and, okay, it's, and now uh, that I hear that it's four hours, I may not. Go well, I mean, it's worth the watch, but you got it. Like, so okay, two things I'll say. One, there was there was only one film other. It was that Gods and Generals was the prequel, which was made in two thousand three. So there was never a third movie. I don't know why. Like, like what? Like, the, like there's there, no trilogy. There's no Return of the Jedi version. Anyway, of, of, of um, whatever. Um, it's supposed to see General Sherman just marching to the sea, just lighting up shit. That'd be amazing. But um, so with this, it's like I, you know, it's worthy of watching. And, and we'll, I'm sure like Trevor and I will talk about this at length. Um, cause there is a lot there to, to chew on. It's just, um, kind of just treat it as like, like a mini series, like, you know, maybe chop it in like 45 minute segments and just get through it. Like, cause it's like, if you try, if you go and saying it's a four and a half hour movie, that sounds impossible. But if you say it's like, you know, you know what, um, like a nine part, like, you know, mini series, like half hour each, like you'd be like, I could do that. I could do that in a day. Right. And you turn around and you're like, Oh shit, I've watched four and a half hours of television. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, cause I kept taking breaks to do laundry and everything else. Like, you know, cause I like, cause I knew the movie wasn't going anywhere. It's this, they're staring at me, you know, <laughs> it was, it was like me in a Homer with that sub sandwich, the, 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 the foot long. <laughs> like leave me to it. I'll finish it. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, so, it, so yeah, Saturday for me was, um, uh, watching escape from LA in the morning, reading some alien comics, uh, doing Twilight Zone prep for the other show that I do. And then, and then the nightcap was uh, Gettysburg. So Saturday was kind of, my brain was full of things. And so Sunday I went to the grocery store and then just, I just stayed on the couch and played video games all day. Cause I'm like, I, I need, I need a weekend moment. Does that make sense? Where I'm just like, I just need a moment just to not just please. Thank you. So I didn't do anything. I, I failed on earth day, which was Saturday. I didn't watch an animal attack film, which I usually like doing. It just, the weekend kind of got away from me because I had other things going on. So anyway, that was my weekend. What, what did you get into? Uh, so the first thing that uh, I'm going to talk about here, and uh, honestly, guys, I, I this is not self-deprecating. This is not me making a joke or trying to be funny. But like I, I, I realize what we do here is superfluous in the sense that like we show up, we have a few beers, we talk about movies and comics and you know, general pop culture and we have a good time. And sometimes we do talk about serious things. Sometimes we do dabble in politics. Usually when, you know, one of us has a bad reaction to something that just isn't sitting right with us. I E C last up week's episode on, uh, um, I keep wanting to say war games. I don't know why (laughs) red dawn. Um, but, uh, that notwithstanding, I'm going to talk a little for, you know, seriously for just a few minutes here. Um, only because I am one of the people who probably would have needed this message. Uh, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about health. Um, I had a colonoscopy on Friday. And the reason I bring it up is is that I don't know what the results are yet. There were polyps that they removed. There's still one that they were unable to. So I get to go through this procedure, I guess, all over again a lot sooner than I thought. But um, – I'm waiting on results to find out if there's cancer, if it's benign. Uh, so that fun stuff. So, um, 
that aside, what I want to talk about a little bit is, is just, uh, you know, we do have, you know, wonderful health care in this country. Uh, it's also one of the things that uh, is one of the greatest luxuries of our country, which healthcare should not be a luxury. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is, is you are uh, of a certain age, you know, you're in your 40s. First, I want to recommend get a Coligard test. Uh, Coligard, and yeah, I'm going to say it, and it's funny, but like you're going to poop in a box. Well, technically not in the box. You're going to poop in the container that goes in a box. But uh, I had one of those done, um, and oddly enough, I had not requested it. My doctor was like, we should really have one done. You're age where now where we should start looking into these things and at that time i wasn't having any any issues within a couple of weeks of taking the the coligard and sending in the results and all that fun stuff i started getting really bad stomach aches um i was of the mind that it's an ulcer i still don't know for sure if that's part of the case but i have i have felt extremely better since i had the colonoscopy which maybe tells me that you know, the issues that were happening were because of the polyps in my colon. Um, that said, uh, I am very much of a person who uh, has let a lot of things go health-wise. Um, and I don't know what the results are going to be. And I will, you know, I will talk about them when they happen. But um, I put off, and I'm still putting off, uh, even though we've kind of got a health fund saved up right now. Um, uh, I need dental work done. And I, I have taken poor uh, care of my teeth in that, like, I haven't gone to the dentist regularly. I only go when I'm, like, in pain or something's gone wrong. Um, that doesn't mean that I have, like, math mouth. It just means that, like, it's also expensive. So I, to give you a picture, you know, uh, I, I shudder at the thought of, like, going and getting these things done, you know. Um, I shudder at the thought of like, I have to spend X amount of dollars to get something fixed. Like, like I'm a car, like, I'm like, can't I just get a new one? Can't like my warranty is apparently up. Can't I just go get a new body? Apparently that's not how it works. Um, but I, I, if you're like me and you're a worried about the cost and I am very thankful I have insurance. Um, and I don't know what the out of pocket's going to be yet for the colonoscopy, but I also wanted to like go through like. I know that medical procedures can be scary. And before this, I had never been under anesthesia. I'd never stayed in the hospital. I've never broken a bone. The closest I've come is I cut the tip of my finger off while cutting a mat and I needed three stitches. Like that's, that's the most that I've done as far as like needing immediate health care, need to go to the emergency room or even have something administered to me. Um, I did, however, have an asthma attack as a kid that I had to stay in the hospital overnight, but I wasn't in a room. I just was in the hospital being treated from like midnight to 6 a.m. Uh, until they decided I could go home kind of thing. Uh, so I've never had like a, a real, you know, experience, I guess, in, in the way that I've never been under anesthesia to the extent where I'm completely knocked down any of that stuff. And I had so much fear going into this that this is why I wanted to talk about it. And again, I realize that I'm going all over the place here, but I, I want to talk at least a little bit about the experience and then come back to my point about taking care of yourself. Um, the pre, the, okay, so beforehand, um, 
everyone that I talk to, like, I don't know what it is. And I guess it's, you know, people want to share information. But, like, as soon as I started to talk about anesthesia, like, everybody was like, I need to tell you the most screwed up thing that I know about somebody who had anesthesia done. And I'm like, well, that's not helping. Thanks. Like, um, you know, a friend of ours had mentioned, you know, like, hey, you know, um, XYZ had a stroke while they were under anesthesia. And uh, even my father-in-law, um, they had to use Nar- Narcan on him because they gave him too much. Like, so I've already got all this stuff swimming around in my head. So um, my anticipation, my uh, anticipation is not the right word. My dreading uh, this procedure was pretty high to start. And uh, to give you a little piece of how that works is, is uh, the last meal that I could eat, my procedure was on Friday. So uh, after we got done recording Wednesday nights, we recorded early last week. Uh, you're not allowed to have anything to eat the following day unless it's a uh, a, a liquid that you can see through essentially. So like broth, but no, um, no noodles. And, uh, here's my hot take. I don't consider soup food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> soup is what goes with food, uh, is my, my hot take, but, uh, you know, popsicles, you know, things that are, uh, basically, you know, liquid forms in another, either frozen or in a hot state, if you will. Uh, but as long as you can kind of see through it in the sense Almost like uh, when Homer goes to see the doctor to gain weight, and he he rubs the bag with a sandwich uh, so that the grease turns the bag clear. Uh, same idea, except exact. Opposite. I, I was thinking um, that you did you learn nothing from Memoirs of a Visible Man whenever you know with uh, Chevy <laughs> Chase's true. character about the clear foods that he was eating. So I thought maybe you'd taken some notes. You should have been like, "Thanks, movie." Like for one thing, but continue. <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, I, oddly enough, it did not come up. Um, but, uh, the, the fun part though, and this was one of the things that I was kind of dreading was, is that, uh, cause I've heard so many like stories about this part as well, is that you basically have to do a prep, uh, to go in for this procedure. And what that prep involves is, is, uh, uh, drinking, uh, 64 ounces of Gatorade mixed with, uh, 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 I guess it's a diuretic called Miralax. Uh, and then you take stool softeners on top of that. So imagine taking like within a, like a three hour span, uh, as many laxatives as you probably had in your life, uh, in two hours. And I was very worried that like, I was just going to be like miserable and in the bathroom the entire night. It wasn't that bad i mean it definitely like it cleans you out don't get me wrong but uh the nausea was a side effect that i was not expecting um and because you have to drink so much of this stuff you have to drink like eight ounces of it every 15 minutes it can get tough like i had trouble like getting through the last like two glasses worth because it's like i'm gonna throw this up i'm gonna throw this up thankfully that didn't happen but uh, the worst of it was the nausea from that part of the procedure. Um, so the next day I go to the, the hospital. I almost said hotel for some reason. Uh, go to the hospital where they're doing one of those back ash back alley uh, colonoscopies. Uh, but uh, God, I was going to make a really terrible yeah. your, your doctor. Your doctor's actually Dr. Nick Riviera. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yes, he, he is. Um, but like he uh, won a bet. He's like, I can't believe you actually drank all that. And he's like, okay. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting is, is that, like I said earlier that I've, I've never, you know, had any sort of procedures done in a hospital. So there were things that were happening that I was like caught off guard by, like they put an EKG on me, which I guess, you know, makes sense. But like they hook, you know, sensors up to me, like, you know, I'm a car also like looking for readings. Um, you know, they take your blood pressure and at one point they came in and they're like, are, are you nervous about this procedure? I'm like, yeah, why? They're like, your blood pressure's really high. I'm like, yeah. They're like, do you have high blood pressure? I'm like, I was just at my doctor a couple weeks ago and I, I don't. And they're like, look at this number. This is not a good number. And I'm like, okay. So like, they like had me like, just not talk at all, turn the lights off. And just sit there and try and relax. And then they took my blood pressure again. And they're like, oh, well, it came down quite a bit. I'm like, well, that's, you know, I, I am very worried about all the things that can go on. I, I will also say that the next part was is the anesthesiologist came in, had a conversation with me, and, you know, basically soothed all of my, like, worries about that. And uh, then the doctor came in, uh, put on a rubber glove, and started laughing maniacally. I'm kidding. Um, but he, he walked me through what the procedure was going to be. The next thing I know, I get wheeled into, uh, you know, the, I guess it's the OR, um, even though I was only in there for like a half hour. It wasn't like when I think of an OR, I always think of it. It's gotta be like a scene in ER where, you know, there's people just, you know, being put back together from a car accident kind of thing. Uh, but no, uh, the operating room, um, and, you know, they, they basically put the, the mask on me for the, for the gas to get me to go out. And, like, I remember thinking that, like, oh, I don't think this is working. And then, whoop, out. <laughs> like, I was just out completely. Um, I was being wheeled back in. And my, my lovely wife was uh, so concerned that she decided... Uh, she should take video of me. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Uh, oh. and this is, this is the funny part is, is that she said that I was singing, uh, which I don't remember. She says that, uh, they kept asking me what I wanted to drink. I kept telling them Miller Lite. <laughs> uh, and then you got, you got weirdly political about Bud Light. They, well, they, that part of the video we don't get into. Um, no, because she's like, they, he keeps saying we think Bud Light. She's like, no, he wants Miller Lite is what he's saying. Um, <laughs> But uh, the next thing is, is that, and she's got video of this. I was talking about being C-3PO in The Empire Strikes Back where he's being put back together. And I'm doing like, you know, the, the whole Chewbacca, like you, you put me together backwards thing. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the thing that popped in my head is, is like, oh, my God, I hope I didn't start talking about the scene in Clerks 3 where Randall goes under anesthesia. Because, like, I could totally see myself just doing that scene verbatim because it would have popped into my head. I'm like, oh, God, please don't tell me that, like, I turned into, like, a swear monster or swear wolf, uh, you know, in the uh, operating room as I was coming out of it. But apparently, Kathy didn't get this on tape. As he was leaving, I said something, and he said, this is the way, and I tried to high-five him. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, the, the point that I, 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 of all of this is to one express that, you know, um, 
if you have fears about, you know, getting this type of procedure done, I'm not saying they're unfounded or anything like that, but now having gone through it and had a little bit of piece of a taste of it. And I had a, a great team of, of people working on me at the hospital that I was at. And I make it sound again, like I'm a car working on me, but, uh, you know, everybody was great. Um, all of my fears were alleviated. Uh, and I am, obviously glad that I got this done. But the other thing I wanted to mention is, is that if you do have pain that you're just like kind of living with, cause I've done it. I'm like, I'll just see if it goes away or, you know, I'll, 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 I'll find a way to get around, uh, this tooth that I can feel is clearly bad before going to a dentist and having it like removed or capped or whatever. Um, I, I will not say that the financial portion isn't, uh, easy because, uh, again, I don't know what we're going to end up owing outside of our insurance, but you know, I, I do feel lucky that we have insurance and I, I, I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I, I, again, I just, there are a lot of countries that are doing it and they're doing it, uh, you know, without making people go, uh, bankrupt mm -hmm. to take care of their own health. So, um, I just wanted to put that out there. If there's, it, it, even if it's just a colonoscopy, you know, and you've got doubts or, 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 you know, you, you feel like, Oh, I don't like going to the doctor or whatever. I just want to throw that out there that like, you know, I'm very much that person. And, uh, you know, I don't know what my results are going to be, but at the same time, I'm glad that I didn't wait on this, you know, cause who knows, maybe, maybe if it is, you know, if they find, you know, that's an early stage of cancer and it's very treatable, you know, um, yeah. if I had ignored this or not taken the test or not done anything, you know, how long it could go before it becomes a bad situation. So uh, that's my little, you know, 15 minute spiel on health. And uh, again, like I said, I, I don't consider myself any sort of advocate for anything other than like Funyuns and um, Fudge Rounds. But I, I wanted to at least say something here because uh, uh, it's very rare that I get to say anything of value uh, that isn't, uh, oh, you know, about, uh, you know, well, I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm saying, like, what we do is fun. Don't get me wrong. But I don't really have, you know, I, I don't really talk about serious things on the show, I guess, is what I was trying to say. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll obviously share updates, um, and uh, obviously, um, because there was a polyp that they can't remove, even if it comes back benign, I'm still going under a similar procedure uh, to have it removed. So I get to go through this whole process all over again. So stay tuned, guys. I'll give you an update. Uh, well, but we are off next week, so not to scare anybody. Yeah, like, no, no, oh no. Oh, my no, God. Yeah, he no. got really bad <laughs> test results, so there's not a show next week. Right now, uh, it's just like I asked Paul, I said, can we not do a show next week because I'm just kind of fried mentally um, and need a week off? So that's why, uh, you know, if there is a harbinger of doom, you'll get it in two weeks. So. Well, the, well, okay. Three things. One, thank you for sharing. That's like, that takes a, like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't. So I, I do appreciate that. Two, um, would, were you worried that the last film you watched before you got knocked out was Red Dawn? Was that the thing you were like? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I watched anything. I guess I had the, the you know, the, 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 cause I watched the end of Mandalorian season three mm -hmm. 
Thursday. Okay. Because we recorded on Wednesday, and even when we were going through news, you were like, oh, I already watched the, the end episode of Mandalorian. Do you want to talk about it? And I hadn't watched it yet. So I watched that Thursday. So technically, I think that was probably what was in my brain. Okay. Well, um, it's, it's probably a better, better thing to be like, you know what? All right. You know. <laughs> I can't go out on Red Dawn. <laughs> Well, it's okay. Um, oh, uh, okay. The, <laughs> the third thing I was going to say is, um, like, wouldn't it be terrible if we took a week off and then we did like the film Inner Space, like after you came back? I'd be like, what's going on? It's just a voyage in the body. We'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Anyway, no, um, uh, no. I remember years ago, um, we were leaving a midnight showing of Space Jam, and I just, I just looked. I just told my wife, I was like please drive careful on the way home. She's like, why? I was like, I don't want the last movie I ever saw to be Space Jam. (laughs) You know, sometimes you're just like, please, like you'll read a book. You're like, I got to read a different one because I can't go out on that one. You know, like, so, um, no, I was was going to, like, I don't know if I told you this story or not. Uh, And this is not nearly the same thing, uh, but I'll tell you about the one time I was in like um, a weird spot of a hospital. I was in college and um, this is the most, Thing. This is the most me thing you'll ever hear happen. I was walking down a hill because we had like this, our campus, the, the school that I don't want to name because, um, you know, th- their degree never did me any good. Um, I was walking down this like this like steep hill and uh, the sidewalk was a little, little, little cracked and there was like a gap in one of the areas I didn't realize. But me being an idiot, I was trying to read a bumper sticker on a car and I couldn't understand what the bumper sticker said. And I wasn't paying attention where I walked and just like stepped in like, like a gap, like, like it was like a crumbly gap and just wrenched the hell out of my ankle and just like went straight down. Right. And of course being, you know, what, 19, 20 years old, everyone's like, Ooh, and like no one helped me up. Cause you know, college. And then I, I rude to become college prom King. That's not what happened. But anyway, so I walked to like, eventually I hobbled down to the student health office and the lady there that was like the nurse that was there, I was like, oh, you really messed up your ankle. And, like, and she's like, we, we should probably get you some crutches. Uh, she was like actually retiring very soon. And her hands were so arthritic and carpal tunneled that she couldn't like wrap my ankle or put together crutches for me. So that was nice. So I eventually ended up at the local hospital. And this was the um, like was right before Thanksgiving break. And so the hospital was like low staffed. They didn't know where to put me. So they put me in like the cardiac wing. Where, where people oh come God. in with like like heart attacks, like immediate, right? Yeah. And I'm just sitting there waiting. And there was a gentleman to the right of me. The curtain was pulled. And doctor came in and was like, hey, you know, basically like, you know, it's it's not great news, but you're okay. But you got to tell your family you're not going to make it home for the holiday. And I'm just sitting there just like, just like, the, like, like the spot beside listening to this, this like grandfather tell his family he can't come home for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, all I was doing was trying to read a bumper sticker. What's like, why? You know, like it was, it was just one of those moments. I'm like, this day turned darker and darker and darker. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully my colonoscopy went a little better than that. Mm. So, uh, no, no, no. These aren't the same stories. No, this is me twisting an ankle. Like that's, that is small potatoes. Don't get me wrong. Right. But well, I, I yeah. guess I didn't have to listen to anybody be told that they're not going home for the holidays, <laughs> especially when it's, you know, April. Yeah, uh, that, that's, and, that's fair. <laughs> like, you're no. not making it home for Memorial day weekend. I know that you had a, a banger planned at the, at the uh, summer house, but uh, no, I just, I just, I was just, just the idea of like, where are they going to put you? I don't know. In an area where you're going to hear bad news. Why? Cause your ankle looks like a grapefruit. I'm like, Oh, okay. Anyway, so it was just, 
it was just a weird day. But anyway, thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah, and it, it is funny, you know. I, I, for all of the things that I just said about like not taking my health serious, things like that. Uh, you know, I don't have a fear of hospitals. My mom worked in a hospital. Well, my mom was a nurse. Um, and you know, I spent a lot of time just either waiting for her to get off of work because I was picking her up for work or, uh, or picking her up after school or, um, you know, ha- going there some nights and having dinner with her in the cafeteria. Like, uh, I knew the people that she worked with and my mom works oddly enough in the intensive uh, care unit. So like, I don't know why I am just so like I, I should have a natural like fear of the hospital, but I don't because like it's where mom worked. So well, I, I think uh, part of what you're saying, uh, then I'm, I apologize uh, that I'm cutting you off. You and I both grew up in the same generation again in terms of like because we don't because we don't know the cost of the healthcare involved. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. It's like well we can deal with it as opposed to living in a functional society where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling great. Preventative healthcare is going to help me a long way down the line. And it doesn't cost me anything because my government cares about me. You know, like, so we live like we're this, that kind of like, well, I'll deal with it until because also like having insurance is great. And we like my, my wife and I, we have good insurance, um, thankfully. Right. Um, but it's like, you know, and there's others that don't, and it's just, there's a whole, like, there, there's a whole other thing there, but it's like, we're like, you mentioned a car, like, um, there's probably wonderful car owners who are like, you know what? You know, I think it's about time to go get my brakes done as opposed to you and I, where it's like here, Oh, it's brakes time. You know, like, Oh, like, is it time to change the muffler? Why? I don't know. It's still in my house and I'm 10 miles away. Like, you know, like I think we're part of that same type of like mentality of like, we'll just, we'll like check engine light, put tape over it. The light's gone now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I very much, uh, will um, drive a car uh, or if I can not spend money uh, is a better way of putting it uh, on a new luxury, like a car uh, I will not do so, which drives my wife mad. Um, I have a fortunate position now that I work from home. So uh, I was at the point where my car had made it 10 years and I kept saying, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to sell them my car. When it hits the 10 year point, it hit it last year, mm-hmm. but now I don't go anywhere. So I'm like, well, what do I need a new car for? Yeah, same like, thing for me. It's like, I, my car's like, it's still spinning like a top. Like I, like I, you know, I've had, it's what, it's a 2009 vehicle. Like I, I've replaced like the alternator, which is like something that happens eventually. Right. But it's like, I'm okay. Like as much as my car, now that I've paid off my car, it's become like this thing that like the world doesn't see this orange thing and they hit it with all their like shopping carts and doors. But other than that, like it still works, <laughs> you know, like I don't want, it's not style points I'm driving around for, you know? So I agree with you on that. And I don't know if it's also just a condition of being just dirt poor for so long that, uh, you know, I, yeah, I made a lot of bad decisions in college. Um, I mean, who didn't, right? Ha ha. But um, just financial decisions. I made a lot of bad decisions, um, and I, I was of the mind for a very long time that I was just never going to own a house or anything, you know, close to that because I was just so badly in debt. Um, and thankfully, you know, we were able to pull out of it, you know, even like when I got married, you know, it was like it, it, Kathy and I, we joked about getting together. It was like, oh, we'll get together. 
with your tens of dollars and my tens of dollars and we'll have twenties of dollars. Um, so yeah, I have very much that same mentality. Like, you know, I, I don't know why that is, but I'm, it's hard for me to break. No, it's just you're, you're, like you and I are the same person in a lot of ways. So I, I, I understand that, but yes. Um, yeah. but I like that you're like, I don't want to spend on my health. I don't want to spend on a car. What's this action figure that just came out? I have to have seven of them. I, and yeah, that's the thing They're like, I can rationalize that. Oh like, yeah. Oh, they're, they're only $15. If I get, you know, 12 <laughs> of them, that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a tooth, but I could look at it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. There's a new, uh, Keaton Batman. Yeah. It's uh, like, I don't need, t- I don't need teeth for Coors Light. It's fine. You know, it's fine. <laughs> to be fair though, uh, it is a clear liquid. I'm sorry. Go gonna, <laughs> I, I'm no longer going to refer to the flash movies, the flash movie. I'm just going to call it the new Batman movie. That's how I'm going to rationalize. Oh, be like, Oh, I think yeah. I'm going to go see the new Batman. Movie. I, okay. Like, I, okay. We've talked about a lot. I, I hate, I hate that that new trailer is, it's really great for the flash no. film. I know. Oh gosh. I didn't want to even bring it up to you. <laughs> like I didn't even want to link it. Cause I didn't, cause I'm sure you'd seen it. I and I know we talk about, this isn't a news episode, but I was like, I didn't want to talk to you about it because it's almost one of those things where it's like, it's like, um, you're taking a, an actual like nuanced stance about something, why you don't want to support it. Yeah. But then it's just like, Oh shit. That, Oh, what, what? It's like, it's like, for me, it's like, as much as I'm like, I, I will not pay for Chick-fil-A, but I'm just like, I, I do, I kind of do like their Polynesian sauce. Like, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. You know, like, so like, I get it. Like, I get it. You know? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I have, uh, uh, like for me, like if it's Chick-fil-A, uh, I work from home now, so I don't have to worry about running into it. But previous companies that I worked at, I was like, well, they've bought it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not outright going there myself, but I'm like, I'll eat it because it's here. It's just going to go to waste. It's still food. But, uh, yeah, I, I've done that uh, myself where I'm just like I've, I've drawn a, a line in the sand. You know, uh, I don't care how good Hobby Lobby's prices are. I'm not going there for my right supplies. Just right. how it is. No, and I agree. Like, the, yeah. So anyway, um, but I'll yeah. probably end up because Guardians will probably still be in the theater. When the Flash comes out, I'll just buy a ticket for Guardians Three again and just sneak into the Flash. <laughs> I like that you're sticking it to the man by paying the man. I really exactly. Do. Well, you know, I'm just giving you know another man the money as opposed to you Wait, know. So you're supporting James Gunn, who might still have a plans post Flash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're all hypocrites. I can- <laughs> Oh, all right. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, aside from, uh, you know, you, you having your serious aside, which I get, I appreciate. Was there anything else? Like, I know you were kind of just playing your weekend to kind of be wait, like waylaid because everything going on. Completely understand that. Because well, I know also you were looking forward to the last drive in with Joe Bob. Uh, did yeah. you get to any of that or no? So I did. So Sunday night I made like my Joe Bob night, which is is it was still good don't get me wrong but like there's something about just that communal feeling of knowing that like friends are watching it and seeing people post and have fun with it um but uh yeah sunday and what's what's funny is is i thought i'd given myself enough time to get through both episodes i started at six i stopped at eleven thirty. i still haven't finished the beyond yet i'm like and those there were, there were two uh uh fulci movies uh zombie and the beyond uh zombie which uh, I love, I'd already seen it a handful of times, um, but I've never seen the beyond. So that one was new to me, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, 
there is again like something special about sitting down Friday night, not knowing what two movies we're going to get and just having a ball with uh, Joe Bob. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There's vestiges of the old, you know, uh, what do I, what I want to say? The, the old um, movie theater, not movie theater host, but the, the movie the host, host, you yeah. know, yeah. with corny jokes and like, I love when whenever Joe Bob tells like a really bad joke and just watching Darcy groan. Um, I, I love, you know, his weird factoids that he throws in. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, th- apparently they're breaking up this season too. Uh, so it's like, they're going to do apparently five episodes and then at a later date run the other five. And the reasoning that I've heard, or the reason people are speculating that is, is to keep people subscribed to shutter longer because people will subscribe for Joe Bob for the 10 weeks and then get rid of their shutter subscription. Um, I don't know. I, my theory would just be like, I can't imagine the show is that expensive to produce. Just do more episodes, but it is what it is. But yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic that Joe Bob is back and I got to enjoy most of it on Sunday night. Okay, good. All right. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah that's our week. That's our weekends. And then on Monday, uh, we talked about aliens, which uh, we just, sorry, Tuesday, we talked about alien comics, which is already out there. So a little bit of time travel. Right. And so, yeah, um, I think that, I think that covers everything, right? Like, um, you know, uh, whatever I was, I was going to make an asshole elbows joke, but anyway, it's just, um, seems kind Am of I the asshole or the, or the elbow. I don't know. I just, either yeah. way, that is going to, that, um, yeah, are we ready to get into our year of Carpenter discussion now? Uh, with uh, I also like that you're like, you know what I'd rather talk about? An invasive procedure versus Escape from L.A. <laughs> I think I might have a slightly contradictory take than yours. So no, no, I'm we'll happy get into to it. get yeah. into it. So are we ready to talk about some Escape from L.A.? Hell yeah. All right. Let's get into the the, the fun but weird, weird, weird sounding trailer. Here, just, here we go. Welcome to the theater. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. We ran a psycho profile on a music database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? This town loves a winner. Say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? Draw. You got a problem with that? Okay, 1986's Escape from L.A. It is directed by John Carpenter, uh, written by John Carpenter, and based upon uh, character characters he developed with Nick Castle. Um, but this was actually specifically written by the screenplay by John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. We'll bring we'll talk more about her in a second. And Kurt Russell, his only writing credit for reasons we'll probably get into. 
Um, the cast here, because uh, I know Steve is always correct that we never get to the cast. We'll get into it. It's Kurt Russell playing uh, Snake Bob Pliskin. Um, uh, uh, we have uh, AJ. Like, I like the IMDb order here. Of an order, like weird order. Kurt Russell, AJ Langer as Utopia. Steve Buscemi as Map to the Stars Eddie. Um, sorry, you're going to say, say something? No, my okay. apologies. Uh, I am just making sure my dogs are not going to interrupt this. Oh, so my enough. apologies. Right, no, I, I caused an interruption by trying to get it in front of it. Yeah. Uh, George uh, Corface as Cuervo Jones. Stacey Keach as Commander Mallory uh, Malloy. Uh, Michelle Forbes as Brazen. Uh, Pam Greer as Hershey, um, a.k.a. Carjack. We'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. Uh, and then uh, Cliff Robertson as uh, Uncle Ben. Sorry, the president. Uh, and Peter Fonda as Pipeline also does not belong in this film. Uh, Peter Jason as the duty sergeant. We see him for a half second here. And then I also want to bring up Bruce Campbell as Surgeon General Beverly Hills. Uh, Brecken Meyer was a surfer. So I know you were, I know you were looking forward to that. Um, Robert Carradine was the skinhead. Cause we just talked about him in body bags. And it's like, once you like, it's, he looks so different. So like he's there for a second. Um, and then, um, what was it? Uh, Leland Orser is test tube, but yeah, that that's, um, I don't know if there's anybody else there that you wanted to mention. Yeah. I didn't catch him in the movie, but the IMDB lists, uh, Paul Bartel, uh, who is the director of one of my favorite Corman films, death race 2000. So, uh, I didn't catch him in the movie, but he's listed in the IMDb. So I figured I'd mention him real quick. Okay, awesome. So there we go. So this is uh, it. Like it is a continuation from Escape from New York. But let me, uh, unless you had something to to stay, say at the beginning, I had to have my notes here from this book that's much smarter than me leading into this. Uh, the one thing that I will say is is that uh, we we had a discussion on talk about rhythm. Uh, and one of the things that was brought up was, is, uh, you were saying that like you can appreciate a story regardless of uh, whether or not the art is something that you enjoy. And I was very interested in that. And I'm, I'm now want to bring that conversation to this film because I'm wondering if your problems are story-wise or visual-wise. Because I'm going to say it, I don't think this is a bad movie. And I don't think... It's that much different than Escape from New York. If that's your beef, or you're like, it's too similar, that's fine. But, and there's some horrendous visuals in this. I will say that. There are some really bad early CGI, and I'm sure you're going to talk about that as well. But as I was watching it, I was like, you know what? This is kind of a fun ride, and it, it feels very much like the experience I had watching the first one. So, um I'll, I'll be curious to see where you go uh, from there, but I'm I'm interested if if your issues are and it can be from both. You could be like, yeah, I don't like the visuals and I don't like the story. That's fair too. But I'm curious which one of those did you dislike more? I guess uh, that, that's a fair position. I will say that I have problems with both, but I will like okay. So, <laughs> I. This is going to be interesting because I think you're landing on this a little bit more favorable than I am. But I will also say that, like, I'm not as anti it as I had been in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I'm going to shake my fist at the Algoro in the distance at this for that. Uh, so, uh, but I will. I'm still going to be a nitpicker. So everybody, tuck in. You know what we're doing here. So according to the book uh, Salt in the System, the Nonconformist Cinema of John Carpenter by Troy Howarth, which is an amazing, amazing. A uh, book um, that makes me sound a, a million times smarter than I am. Uh, so after Village of the Damned, which was one of Steve's favorite movies, um, 
the, the last line he wrote of that chapter was like, no matter how you slice it, the writing was on the wall. Carpenter style filmmaking was no longer current. And unless he managed to make a film that uh, really demonstrated his ability to compete in the big leagues, his future in the business was beginning to look a little bleak. That's not just that. That's not unfair. Um, so possible redemption came in, uh, the form of Carpenter's old friend, Snake Plissken by 92 Carpenter and Russell started to give serious thought about reviving the project. Uh, Russell and Carpenter decided that it might be fun to reunite the old team. So they involved Deborah Hill. So she, they brought her back in to, for writing a new screenplay. Um, we, you know, like we've talked about how a lot of the, the, um, the projects between, uh, her and Carpenter were really, really good. Right. And I know they had a relationship and then that, that ended, and then so, but she went on to do her own thing. And this is actually how this film got greenlit. Uh, Cause she had actually produced a number of like actually big hits. So uh, whenever they brought her in, she was in a good position to get a good deal for escape from LA. Uh, it, it called, uh, was it the only problem was, is that it called for Carpenter uh, to work on a big budget film for a major studio, which is he's kind of over after memoirs of invisible man. He's like, I'm kind of done with this shit. Can we, can, like, can we just be done now? But he's like, oh, that's snake. We can get back there. Uh, so he had some optimism for it because one thing he knew, uh, Deborah Hill would have his back for another, the appeal of getting back together with so many friends to make a big satirical action movie just seemed like too much fun to pass up. I agree with that. I think that's completely fair. Uh, Paramount was willing to pony up $50 million to make this film an even higher budget than he had to make on memoirs of a visible man. So think about that. Um, uh, Kurt Russell would net $10 million for, uh, being snake. While John and Deborah were each paid $5 million apiece, that left $30 million to realize some very ambitious concepts, and even though that wouldn't be enough. So even though it was a $50 million budget, two-thirds uh, um, two of it were already spoken for, which, whatever, get paid. You get, all, all parties involved have been in this long enough. Get your money. I'm not upset about that. Um, so, so that's kind of where it starts at. Um, but also Kurt was like really kind of chomping at the bit because he loved the character, but he was also like, you know what, uh, in, in his forties or pushing 40, he's like, I can't do this too much longer. We need to get back to do it. So knowing when we see, uh, actors, whenever they're maybe like way past the point, he understood that there was a certain level of like um, a fitness he had to get to, to do this character. So I respect that Russell's like, Hey, can we do this? Because the clock's ticking. So I do appreciate that. It's, you know, sorry, Steve, you can talk now. I apologize. Yeah, no, sorry. I, uh, uh, was just writing the mute, uh, because of the dog. So, um, that, you know, I mean, that's interesting, but again, there's part of me that's like, he could make snake Plissken movie now. Oh my gosh. I want him and Jeff Bridges to be the Pliskin brothers. That's you what know, I want. What, what I, okay. So I, I feel like we're already diving into yeah. uh, our wish list, but like there's part of me that wishes there was a grindhouse version of this movie that where like, for instance, when he gets in the sub and he starts to take off, it just cuts to like scene missing. Yes. And then, like, he ends up on the, the beach, like, you know. Yeah, we'll get uh, – I almost feel like um, – and we've talked about this film before, the film Double Target, where um, there's a bit where, uh, oh, um, you know, Ator, uh, Miles O'Keefe gets launched into the water from a sub and then just fights a shark and, like, one of the worst things we've ever seen. And then that's it. Like, why could we have Snake fight a shark with, like, a knife, you know? And then, like, and then the, the shark blows up. Like, anyway, like, that would have been – 
D- Double Target and Escape from L.A. should have been the same movie. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, um, but what I, I, I think is interesting is, is like there's almost like visually. OK, so they're trying to integrate in CGI. It looks bad no matter how you slice it, whether you're we're talking about the surfboarding scene, because clearly they're they're compositing, you know, those shots. And anytime that you do water, it's extremely hard especially when it's 1996. Um, and I, I did read something in the trivia that was like, yeah, the effects company that they went to didn't know how to do computer generated graphics. I'm like, well, that maybe should have barred them from getting the job. That's fair. So um, like to say, so I'll, 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 yeah, let me jump on that real quick. <clears throat> um, the effects budget was pretty big. They were given three, sorry, 5.5 million as opposed to the three or 60,000 um, from the first film. So Rick Baker, in terms of practical makeup effects, was able to run Hog Wild, and that shows up in this film. A good time, right? But uh, what was it? Um, Buena Vista visual effects, they just couldn't do it. And so it it looks... There's some bits and pieces where you're like, okay, I get it, it's, it's 96, but there's other pieces where it's like, yeah, that you guys tried, and you had nothing. And maybe maybe not doing it would have been better than nothing, right? But we'll get there when we get there. So I agree. Yeah, and and yeah. what I think is interesting, too, is, is that, you know, th- this feels visually at home with the first movie. Like we, we talked about, um, for instance, with Star Wars, you know, I think one of your main beefs is you're like, why is it regardless of however far the timeline goes, everything still looks and works the same? Like there's been no upgrades in technology in the sense of like, you know, how a, uh, you know, a panel on a door might look. Like, why is it like no different or the spaceships, things like that? That is one of your criticisms, right? I didn't just throw yeah, that mainly, on mainly you. just the door panels in all Star Wars films. You're right. That's um, that's where I get really. I'm upset. talking about the technology. I'm, I'm kidding. I was, I'm I was kidding, trying I'm to kidding, find kidding, a specific choice, but no, that is one of your beefs, correct? Yeah, because I mean, it's like you know, time goes by, right? Like okay. it's yeah, yeah. So uh, I feel like some of this is very much at home with that first movie, and. I brought up the grindhouse thing. I'm not saying that this movie would look better if they like threw a, you know, a little bit of Vaseline in the lens or if they, you know, threw some scratches in to give it like a dirty feel. But like, there's some really cool stuff in this movie that I'm like, Oh, you know what? It's just, it's unfortunate that like they're balancing this act of like, well, it's still got to look like the world we created in 1982 However, we've got to do it now with this new technology that doesn't look as good as what we did in 1982. Well, I mean, also though, you're dealing with two different scenarios, and we'll, we'll, like, so in terms of uh, the first film, even though the stories are very similar, and I know, and I know it's like on purpose, where uh, you know New York was turned into a prison island, <clears throat> excuse me, and so like it was kind of like stuck in time, while the Los Angeles like the majority of it fell away to the sea because of an earthquake. So it's easy to mask some of the, um, like what would be like, what, like what, like 15 years in the future with rubble, because also there was earthquakes time stopped on that landmass because that was it. Like, so I'm not like, I agree with you. Like, I think the big update was, and the terms of this film, and like, I guess we should say this now is that snake snake was out doing his thing. He got captured, but also in the meantime, um, the first film, um, America was still America. However, crime was so rampant that they just turned New York into a prison. Right. In this case, uncle Ben has, um, like, uh, he has a vision from God that Los Angeles is so full of sin 
that's going to fall to the sea. And he was right and got elected president uh, and then was like named president for life. And now it's become like Mike Huckabee's wet dream is what it's become. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. In this case, it would be a slightly damp, don't want to offend anybody dream. Um, but, you know, but it's like this is the theocracy. The, this is the future that some people in this day and age would be like, yeah. Why not? Because it's like Los Angeles, wall it off. Oh, why, why are why are you being sent there? You're immoral because uh, you believe in women's rights or you're Muslim? Like, there's, there's always things about these two films where it's like, Carpenter gets more things right than wrong, and I hate it. And like, not hate the film, but you know what I mean? Like, just son of a bitch. Like, these aren't far off from the things people want. You know, you know, if, if this was remade now, you would make whoever the president is look like the blobfish that is Ted Cruz doing this shit, right? <laughs> well, you know, you're not wrong, but for me, one of the things that uh, I keep coming back to is the film Land of the Dead, uh, which has uh, Dennis Hopper uh, playing uh, a very Trump-style character, even though it was made during Bush's America. Um, I, I feel like, you know... Both this and Land of the Dead are, I don't want to say precognitive or that, you know, uh, Carpenter and Romero, who I don't think have that many dissimilar uh, points of view when it comes to their politics. That's fair. Probably are hitting upon something that, you know, seems like, uh, oh, wow, they're really onto something because they had been around and seen it. Like, uh, <laughs> they, they lived and they saw everything. Happen, exactly. Right? Like, like it, it's, it's sort of like, oh, they're, they're putting a mirror up to a specific political, uh, people slash parties. Yeah. But like, um, like, uh, the, the gentleman who, like, you know, I keep saying uncle Ben, that's like, I know his name is, um, it we is. love his rice. <laughs> Cliff Robertson, who he's, he's great at this. He's a piece of shit. in this. And he's supposed to be right. We love Cliff. We, we love him. I should say, I love him. Like, I think he's great. Uh, uh, but in terms of a person and in terms of an actor, and he's playing a shitty character here on purpose, he's closer to that. Like, um, that moral majority, like this is the world that we have to live in. But then the moment that like, you know, like things turn sideways, he gives up on the faith type of thing, which I'm saying that's different than, that's that's a different type of piece of shit than Trump, you know. Like I, that's why I'm saying like maybe somebody like like a Ted Cruz or like um I don't know like a Josh Hawley DeSantis. or something. Yeah, but like I'll say this like you know it'd be like and the part of playing DeSantis is a racist mannequin. Like that's I don't know like I just <laughs> like <laughs> yeah right. <clears throat> Like he'd be like, oh, we took over Disneyland. We're sorry, Disney World. We're, sorry, Disneyland. We're calling it the Happy Kingdom, but happiness is not allowed in this world. Anyway, so so yeah, that's the whole the whole bit of this is that there's a bigger thing going on in America than the first time, even though there was still a very uh, specific political. I mean, it, like you know, Carpenter was saying something, but he wasn't in your face about it. Which that goes back to our conversation last week about Red Dawn, right? Where like I think that like. Carpenter can say what he wants to say. And I would say that his more, his most like political satirical film is they live. This is a close second, right? I would say that. Um, and I'm not against that. Uh, and I think that's perfectly, that, that's perfectly fair to do. And you have the ability to do it, but let me, let me continue further with the story. So like if people have not seen this, I think it's worth your time. It's worth your time to watch. I mean, you may come away from a different feeling, but it's not, as Steve says, 
it's not it's not the, it's not a necessarily bad movie. It has, in my opinion, it has problems. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. So Snake, who has been caught doing like like illegal gunfighting, I don't know what that means. But I like that he still has the same like yoga pants and jacket from the first film. And credit credit to them that uh, Kurt Russell's like, yeah, I still fit in this. Let me wear my old outfit. I thought that was cool. That jacket looked like it needed to be like thrown away though. That thing was ruined, but he's whatever, you know, snakes going to be snake. He's been arrested, brought in. However, he's been given one chance to get his pardon for like 23 moral crimes to go and, um, get back. What's called. It's basically a black box for something called the sword of Damocles, which is a series of, uh, um, satellites around the world that can do focused EMP blasts. Uh, because the president's daughter uh, stole it and then ran off with a revolutionary named Cuervo Jones. And he's living in LA. Snake is going to go there. He has been giving another time frame of 10 hours because he got a little tiny scratch on his hand. Um, and that's, that's, that you talk about this film being very similar, you know, you bring in, like you can't get your hands dirty, get the guy that's been like all he's ever done for this country's get his hands dirty. He's disillusioned. Send him to LA, right? That's your premise, right? I th- did I, did I miss anything? No, I don't think yeah. he did. No, that that was a pretty good summation of it. Uh, uh, I feel like also, you know, that's the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie. Like, there's a whole lot that happens after. But Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, can I throw this out here, too? This will color the rest of the conversation, which I think you're going to agree with the statement. And I didn't realize it until I read it, like, when I was like, oh, yeah. Um, the, this is from the author of the book. Uh, the closest comparison would be the evil dead and evil dead Two, meaning it's not necessarily a, like it's a sequel, but it has a lot more in common with the original, but it's tongue is like more firmly in its cheek. Is that the way you kind of feel about this? I think that's fair. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately it works in reverse for this film versus evil dead. I, I, you know, you'll run into the occasional person who prefers evil dead to, Evil Dead 2, but usually Evil Dead 2 is the one that people really bring up as being like their favorite. Um, except for myself, I'm an Army of Darkness guy. Yes. Uh, come come that's, fight me. That's the right answer. Um, that's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. I, I feel like Evil Dead 2, though, feels much more like we're just doing the same thing than this does. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing about Evil Dead 2, because I love Evil Dead 2. But here, I, I feel like... And again, it, it, it's actually kind of the same thing. I'm kind of talking myself out of it now that, that I'm saying it. But one of the things that I liked about this movie was is it very much felt like, we have so-and-so for two days. All right, well, let's go ahead and put him in this part of the movie. You know, uh, Cliff Robertson does appear throughout the entire thing, as does Stacey Keach, but it... It definitely feels like they were filmed on a couple of days. <laughs> um, same thing with um, Pam Greer. Same thing with Peter Fonda. And I kind of like that about this movie. Like, it, it never slows down. It keeps going. You keep it getting introduced to new characters. Um, there's something kind of comfortable about that, which is weird to say. Um, it's like when you're watching a movie... And like somebody that you didn't expect pops up and you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's Danny Trejo. I, he's not in this movie, but I'm just using him as an example. Um, it's 
those types of moments are are kind of fun. And that's what I think one of the things that I enjoyed most about watching this movie was, was like, oh, yeah, look, there's a lot of people in this movie like who are in it for like 20 minute chunks and then just gone. The but like they're but also kind of like thing. known for the, like their own genre things. Right. So I'll say mm-hmm. as much as I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Peter Fonda's performance. I mean, he just, it is what it is. Like I'm just, you, you know, like I get why you have them there. I absolutely, I, I completely understand. Right. I just don't know if like, I, I like, okay, let me rephrase the idea that like, um, that escape from New York and escape from LA, you end up getting these weird, like little subcultures of what's going on. That's fun to me. That's the warriors, right? Like you're going to go through different parts of New York. You're going to run different things. LA, you're going to find like this rogue band of like surfers. That's cool. Like I get it. That's the, that's the joke, right? That's that, that's that mentality. Like I'm okay with that. Um, and then, Oh, what was it? We get to Beverly Hills, which I'm sure we'll talk more about later, about like the whole big plastic surgery thing. That's a lot like, this is the shit that I like. I love that. Like this is the, this is the walk through the dark mirror, right? Of everything going on. So I, I, I dig all that because in the first film, your, your guide through everything was cabbie, right? Kind of talking about everything, right? Or Ernest Borgnine's character. Um, so you get him being like, Oh, you, know, you can't do this. You can't do this anymore because of what's going on. Like, great. I love all that. And I think that you're talking about like Peter Fonda as an idea, as his character of being like the leader of these, like these, like, you know, outlaw surfers because they've been banished to LA where I also like the idea that being kicked out of a country that doesn't want you is more freedom than living in the country that doesn't want you. I like that. Cause they, all of them, re, all of them kind of talk about that. Right. Am, am I like, I'm, am I reading that correctly? That's, I think that's the view that like Carpenter was putting, putting across. No, no. And uh, something else that crossed my mind while watching this, and I don't think I had got it on previous uh, viewings, is this feels very much at home with Demolition Man, whereas Demolition Man sort of becomes a quote-unquote utopia. Uh, the escape from New York slash L.A. universe goes in the complete opposite direction. Yeah, which is funny. After watching this again, it was like, films to recommend, Demolition Man. I'm like, I kind of want to watch that right now. But I'm like, I have to get to Gettysburg, so I have to come back in six months to get to Demolition Man. But yeah, like, so I think what you're saying is correct. Um, but oh, here, let me throw another quote out here for you. Uh, John uh, also admitted that it had been a lo- so long since the first film that he was worried that he might have a hard time capturing its flavor. A week before we started shooting, I was thinking about the fact that we had uh, 70, 70 night shoots to do, which is you know, a tough physical challenge. I thought to myself, my God, do I remember the style of this anymore? Do I know Escape? I made that when I was younger and I was kind of obsessing about it. But about 10 minutes after we started shooting, it was like riding a bicycle. It all came back. And so here's the, that's the quote. Here's the next sentence from the author of the book. Depending on one's point of view, it did and it didn't. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was a fun little like, but maybe anyway. So I thought, (laughs) I mean, that's gotta be daunting though for, any director who makes something and then, you know, it's one thing to make a movie and then like, Oh, I'm doing the sequel and it comes out three years later, you know, to have these large gaps, particularly, you know, that's the other thing that I think maybe hurt this movie is, is that that movie had what 15 years to cement itself in people's sort of imaginations. Mm -hmm. So when you get it, there's going to be a less than, and I, that's I fair. guess I should have said this to you at the beginning of our conversation. My apologies. I know you're going to jump in. No. Um, I realized while watching this, I don't know that I ever sat down and watched this all the way through in one shot. 
Like it was something that I remember watching. I worked at a hotel uh, from 99 to 2002 and uh, I worked third shift. So I watched a lot of like movies and TVs and uh, TVs and TV shows, Just random TVs while and, working and, and like, uh, and like the customer's rooms. You're like, what's up? What's on there? Can I hang out for a second? What are you doing? It doesn't matter. What's on here? Oh, are you what? watching escape from LA? Can I come over? Um, <laughs> No, but it, hey, it hot shot. Kept, what are you doing in this room? I continue. I continue. Please. It kept being a movie that I kept like catching at different points. So I had seen all of it, just not in one consecutive sitting. Um, and I think I even tried a few years ago and somehow like that got interrupted and I never went back to it. Um, but this was my first time sitting down and watching it as a, a consecutive like one shot viewing. And I, I think before we were having this conversation, I was going to lean more towards where you're at with it, where after sitting down and watching the whole thing and being like, yeah, there's definitely things that don't work. Uh, I found myself just having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you can continue now, but I, I wanted to state that I'm like, I don't know that I'd ever <laughs> sat down and watched it all in one shot. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm, I'm being choked up by the emotion right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> the mouth dart hit me in the square in the forehead. I've been stunned or what, what do you call it? The Plutoxin virus has hit me. The, the 10 hour virus that they give you the designer virus. Um, it's so just a flu, right? Um, and then, and then, um, uh, snake takes some ivermectin and it's fine. Anyway. So we talked about the budget for the effects. Uh, so the, here, here's something I will say. And like, again, I, I think I align more with you than I, I did previously, uh, but here's a statement. That this is also from the author of the book. Uh, one gets the impression with films like Memoirs of Invisible Man and Escape from L.A. that Carpenter felt swamped by the sheer bulk of the production, meaning like there, there's a lot more going on. And it's like you, you've been burned so many times and you've been through the grinder. Like you kind of get that. And I think also because of him trying like so also here's the other thing, too, I wanted to mention. Um Filming wrapped on March 20th, 96. Um, Paramount wanted the film ready to go for August 9th in terms of like in the theaters. What kind of turnaround time is that? Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's a, we just threw a bunch of money at this. And even though 20 million of it went to three people, they weren't taking that into consideration because when I hear $50 million, I'm like, Oh, this movie should have been like, I don't know, 20 to 30 million. Like I think it would have excelled more if it had been done much more like a, uh, earlier work of his, which I'm sure that, you know, he would be like, yeah, uh, I would rather have the money. No, he was, there was the multiple times try to get this off the ground, like earlier in the eighties, it just never happened. And also, excuse me. Uh, there was a person that was uh, one of the, the head, uh, the bigger people at Paramount uh, named Sherry Lansing. What that was like that greenlit a lot of this because they were such a fan of the original film that they like, like they trusted the hand, but they're also like, this should be a summer film. Which I, I agree with that, but even even now there's still that stigmatism of like how an August release kind of feels like it's being dumped out. Am I wrong about that? Because I always feel like August is kind of like here's hoping because it's after the big blockbuster like July Fourth, and then it's right before like um, scary times and, and awards times. I, I I feel like that's changed a little bit because it wasn't the original Guardians in August release. It was. Am I wrong and that, on that? That, that you're right. And that, that changed things, but like you know that was the outlier. Like Deadpool was released in February. That was the outlier at first, right? 
but like a lot of times August is like August and like December are where films, sorry, August and January are where films go to die. Like that, that's always been kind of the traditional dumping grounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I feel like anything that comes out, that's not a Oscar contender that was released, you know, as a limited theater run in yeah. December, December 31st, that five people saw it. Give us the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I feel like January, February, and even March to some extent was sort of like where you put your, you know, low budget to mid budget films. Maybe the ones also that, you know, are just going to get slammed critically, but people will go and see like a romantic comedy or what have you. Um, and I, I feel like, yeah, maybe cause I'm trying to think back now of, you know, the world that we lived in before we had Marvel movies every three to four months. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess I never thought of August as being part of that, like sort of downtime. I, I guess I thought more of that as being like after Labor Day, but then again, you know, there are things that I'm just like, I don't understand why these decisions were made. Like, for instance, if I, I and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like the original Nightmare on Elm Street was released in November. Where I'm like, how do you not put that out at Halloween? Well, like, even like Rob, <laughs> Zomb- like Rob Zombie's Halloween came out in September, right? Like, yeah. this is, is, whatever you say about the movie, it's like the it's mm, it's called Halloween. Like, why, why would you? Yeah. Mm, <laughs> like this. It literally has the date and the name. Can we just, can we do that? Can you do it right? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I could see that, but also, you know, I feel like at this point, this has a bit of a following, you know, there's gotta be an expectation and that trailer's great, by the way, I didn't say that. I kind of love, I remember seeing that trailer in the theater and being like, what the hell is this movie? And then, like when Snake popped up, I started laughing. I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" No, the, the, um, just, what I'm saying is the second half of the audio gets weird. The first half's a lot of fun. It's like the "Welcome to the theater, no red meat, whatever." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, like no Bud Light or whatever they say. I don't know. <laughs> it's woke now, um, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I, I guess uh, I hadn't really thought about it in terms of its release date. Um, as is it being like being a, something that was being well, dumped off? But, but no, it was that, and also here, let me let me add this because I want to get more into the story, but I want to get to some of the nuts and bolts to talking about why I think maybe um, why it's a little undercooked at points. And I, I, you can tell me I'm wrong about that, but I, I think because of what they tr- like, this is a film that swung for the fences, and and like okay, here sports analogy, it was trying to hit like a grand slam, and it got like it got like a solid double, but just didn't quite bring everybody across the plate. You understand baseball? Does that make sense? All right. So anyway, so um, <clears throat> um, in terms of final edit, uh, my one regret. This is from Carpenter. Uh, we didn't have more post production time. I got to see the whole movie put together, and then I had only one day to cut it and get it to where I wanted it. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. Either you deliver on the day you're supposed to, or you don't. Part of my job is to complete the film on time, but the movie would have been improved if I had had more time in editing. So I think because the release date was already agreed upon, so this wasn't like a surprise to Carpenter and Company, but they knew they were already under the gun. Um, but the fact that he was like, I barely got this put together. Like, I wish I would have more time with it. I agree. If he would have more time with it, we, I think we would have gotten like a stronger, uh, like an overall stronger effort because then he could have found like where the production house was failing him and how to maybe cut around that. 
Yeah, you know, look, I I don't make movies, I but I imagine that's got to be a nightmare scenario for pretty much any filmmaker. And yes, I understand that like he was aware of the the, the date when he started, but still, that's that's not a lot of time to 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 get a film in good shape and and release theatrically. You know, I don't know. I, okay, so let me rephrase this. I know that a lot of editing now can be done on the fly because of the digital technology. Um, and yeah, you can call me a shill or a hack or whatever. But like, I know Kevin Smith has said that like he's actually like lost sleep because he enjoys editing so much that like he'll shoot stuff and start editing it, and then somebody will be like, "Hey, uh, we're ready to start shooting," and he's like, "It's the next day," and he doesn't realize it. <laughs> so like. The ability to edit on the fly is much more easier these days, so I understand that. But I do wonder, you know, if, if you know, I don't know how you edit around some of the things that are in the movie that just don't work visually, unfortunately. But also, you know, I've, I've said before, uh, particularly in, in reference to, you know, I've heard complaints that people won't watch movies because they're in black and white, and I'm like, that's bullshit you should watch it because it it might give you something that you're not getting from traditional cinema that's happening these days but also i i i I guess i I run into the same thing when somebody tells me they don't like black and white comics and i'm like it's just the comic without the color that's that's all it is um it'll tell the same story it's not like you uh i guess this is an old analogy now since newspapers are essentially a thing of the past at this point but it's never like I got the the comic section on a Monday, and I'm like, "This isn't the Sunday edition where it's in color," and then throw it away. Um, I, I need to know that Garfield's orange; otherwise, it doesn't work for me. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't know what color Little Timmy's hair is in Family Circus, that whole joke falls apart. Um, and, like, if you don't show me a series of footprints that run all over the place, and it leads to a non-joke, I don't know why we're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, I look at, uh, movies and I, I, even if there's bad special effects, unless it's just like to the point where I'm like, oh, they clearly just don't care Well, here, where I'm like, let, let me, let me like, I'm going to cut you off. I'm, I'm going to give you a thing that you're like, I, you're going to agree with me and have more time, but there are bits and pieces of like, in terms of them trying to layer in different types of styles of effects, meaning practical um, special and like CGI, uh, 89's Batman, right. With like some of the stuff that they show with like somehow the Batmobile works and some of the other things going on. And also that bit, like there's bits and pieces where it's like, has that aged the best? No. Was it the best that they could do at the time? Sure. Maybe if they didn't know in terms of like what the end product would look like, maybe if they had a chance to reverse engineer and change it up a little bit. Sure. Like, is that, is that dissimilar? I mean, it's not the same film. I get that. No, but I mean, there's literally a shot in uh, uh, the 89 Batman where he's a cartoon. Yeah. Like, it's literally like somebody animated on top of, uh, you know, a a matte shot or something. Um, and again, like, it's very obvious, but it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. That's um, what I'm saying. Like, but I'm saying with this, though, it's like there's some times where it's like, oh, do we need like the idea of Snake riding a wave and being like, oh, hang, but it's like, oh, hang 10. I'm going to high five you, Peter Fonda or whatever, slap five. But it's like, I like the idea that Peter Fonda's like, I'm going to give you a crash course in surfing and you're going to be good at it with this wave that's going to kill us all. Thanks, Snake. 
you know, like that's a little weird to me. And then like, you know, which I don't know, which is the more egregious shot. It's whether the, the wave or when snakes driving the motorcycle lands in the back of the one like truck that that's also a rough looking shot. Like, but again, there's so much around that's that initial sequence of him trying to get to Cuervo Jones that I like that. I kind of forgive it, but at the same time, it's like, if you don't got it, you know, like maybe like that, maybe go back, maybe default back to your days of like having $15 to make escape from New York and make it make more sense. That's all. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's my nitpick in terms of like that part of, of those elements where they had these big ideas for set pieces and they couldn't realize them correctly. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. It's so hard to say, like, you know, what would have been the best way to go about certain things, you know, in the sense of, uh, you know, would miniatures have worked better for certain sequences or, you know, photo compositing in the same sense that like you talk about, like uh, with the rear projection that happens in Aliens, like it takes you out of the, the movie for no, a no. second. It doesn't take me out of I'm saying like watching the VHS version, it looks seamless. Like I yeah. love the rear projection and like that's the, the rear projection always will. Like I'm, I'm a honk for that type of, because it's, it's a, it's a clever way to get around things. Right. Cause you mm-hmm. had to, you had to shoot a lot of it in camera. And I, there's a lot of times where Carpenter shot in camera that I know that like, it's almost like the budget was too big for him to think about. Like this is, I'm saying this wrong to think small because, um, I'm cutting you off again. There's the bit where they're scanning, um, like the, was it the area with the sub, the sub thing? Um, how it, it's a callback to, the original grid of New York with the glider. And then knowing that the glider sequence was shot over a miniature done up in that reflective tape that it makes it look like it's digital. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sure that was way, way, way less expensive than what they did. Like you kind of already have an idea of what works. Like, like, I don't know. Like there, there's bits and pieces here where it's like, maybe if you would have thought about it, it's like, just like, again, he has a lot of plates spinning to get this done. Like for sure. And I'm, I, I am not a smart man in terms of this type of thing, but it's like, there's also times where it's like, you all, you already knew how to pull this off on the shoestring just because you have more money that doesn't maybe, maybe go back to why it worked the first time. Yeah. And what I do think is interesting is, is, a uh, and I've, I've said this now in the last couple of conversations, I think where we've been talking about different films and what we like and what we don't like. It is entirely, you know, okay, so you, you, you call this a John Carpenter film. So yeah, the, 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 the blame or cheer definitely falls on Carpenter's shoulders, but it is one of those things too, where it's like, well, did he just have a bad VX guy? Like, did he, you know, and I, I know I mentioned earlier the company not knowing what they were doing, uh, when it came to CGI, but um, there are a lot of elements where I'm like, you know, I'm sure that he might have even looked at it and been like, well, I can't cut it. What do yeah. I do with it? It just, and, it, it almost kills me. I, it, like that you literally, your co-writer on the first film was Nick Castle and he found a way to make the last Starfighter work. Like, why wouldn't you be like, Hey, sir, you that's the other crazy thing is, is the submarine in this looks maybe as good or less good than the last star, <laughs> which we understand the limitations of what was going. It was a, that the film, last starter yeah. fighter was like 10 years prior. Yeah. Like, at least right. Like, 
<laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, we, I like, do I love that movie? Yeah, we've talked about it. Do we understand the limitations of what, what they had at the time? Was it revolutionary? Yes, for what it was. But yeah, the sub, sub doesn't look good. There's the whole bit where like Kurt Russell's getting out of it, where he's like, here, like he's getting out of the sub. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with all that. Don't get me wrong. I am okay with all that. Um, and like, I get that. Like, I like the idea that snake is such a good, like mercenary that he already understands how to operate every machine known to man. That's cool. Right. But like that sequence, like, and I understand this is the joke where it goes over universal studios and Josh shows up to nip at the sub. That's a fun gag. It's just that whole sequence is like, it feels like a cut screen to a PlayStation two version of escape from LA that you'd play. You know, it's funny that you say that. Cause, uh, what was it a few weeks ago? What was I watching? Something came up. It must have been an honest trailer. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, maybe it was the Last of Us honest trailer. But yes. like they, it brought up video game adaptations, and apparently in House of the Dead, they cut in they do uh, they do actual it's terrible. game. It's terrible. Yeah, footage, and I'm like, what director lets that decision happen? But like, Yui <laughs> Bowl. That's who. Lets yeah. <laughs> but you're you're not off far off yeah. the mark. Like it does feel like. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you plopped a quarter in, you know, to, uh, I don't know, any, any mid nineties video game where like, it's got great, great, like uh, graphics as far as like the story modes. And then like you cut into the game and it's like, Oh, the resolution and detail is not there. Do yourself a favor, Steve. I promise you this. You'll enjoy the hell out of this. You may not know this. There was a demolition man game that was put out for the 3DO, the Panasonic 3DO that Stallone was part of, you need to look up the cut screens for that. Because there's times where it's he's dressed as, you know, what's, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Demolition Man, or whatever his name is. Uh, John, oh, I forget his name. But anyway, there's times where it shows him in between where he's like trying to run from like area to area and he's just like a light trot <laughs> running for things. <laughs> it's like, it's so great where it's like, oh, Oh, I forget his character's name. I should remember that because it's a great name. But it's like, you should look up the, the Demolition Man cutscenes from the 3DO game. It's so much fun. It's not dissimilar to this, where Stallone seems like he could not be bothered to be <laughs> to do it for the game. Yeah. Because it's Marcus Phoenix, and then what's his character's name? John Spartan. Yeah. Look up yeah. Uh, look up his, his cut screen. It's so much fun, where he's like, trot, trot, trot. I'm going to hide, or whatever it is. <laughs> I ain't getting paid to run. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with the 3DO? What the hell is this system? No one's going to buy it. All right, I guess I'm going to like, scuttle my way over here. Right, anyway, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Oh, <laughs> you say scuttle, it just yeah. makes me think of uh, Dr. Zoid yeah, doing right. it, like his it's crab like, scuttle. It's like, it's like yep. you couldn't even get like Dennis Leary to show up for a minute or like um, at the time, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, shit. You know, the... <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Yes, her. You couldn't even get them to show up. You couldn't even get Wesley Snipes to show up. I like. I don't. I don't recall any of them being part of the cut screens of the game. But still, took the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So. So yeah. That that to me is like you know it's one of those things where it's like um like you okay like I'll put it this put it to you this way, um, you as a writer and creator, the 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 printed page is an unlimited canvas in terms of the story you want to tell. You can make it as big as or small as you want because you're only limited by your imagination. That's fair. But when you're like trying to actually translate something to the film, 
there's a certain amount of like, you know what you got, you know what you don't got. Um, and it's like, all right, well, if this is going to work, if it's not going to work. Like sometimes some of the, some of the, the films that we love work because they realized they couldn't do a thing and they tried to find a way to kind of get the same story point across and not like not get it done. Like they could have easily done the whole bit of him and the sub where with this him with like the backlight of him, like, uh, whatever. And then Stacy keeps yelling at him the entire time and then him running aground and then running into the surfers. It would have worked. It would have been okay. Would have been perfect, but it would have been okay. You know, but it's like, nope, we got to show like Waterworld or whatever. Like it just that didn't work so well for me. I know it's nitpicking. The the like I said, the surfing scene didn't work for me. Um, the um, the hang glider scene, I you know that must have been cool on paper. Not great, right? Not great at all. I don't know. I didn't mind that. Uh, that was one of the things that I thought I would bump into, and I didn't. You know, the, the things that I get hung up on still are the submarine and the surfing. Because the surfing feels literally like it was cut from an episode of Batman 66. Like, it it, it just, it does. It feels like I, if, if the Venture Brothers were making fun of Snake Plissken, that's what they would do. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how to say this without making it sound shitty, but, like, I, I, one of the things that I did read on IMDb was that uh, Carpenter wanted in wanting to make this film, there were drafts that were written over the years and he kept trying to keep them from becoming campy. And I'm like, that's your campiest moment in this movie is him surfing. So that, that that's the big thing that I, yeah. I run into or bump into. So um, that, that's fair. So let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about what works. Right, I think that's fair. Before we get to like the ultimate uh, denouement of this film in terms of like how it performed at the box office, uh, what works for me, Snake is always a great character. Like, I, I love I love him as like this antihero where he has his own code of ethics, and like I like that you he may not always say out loud what he's thinking, but you know exactly what he's processing. I love that. I, I think that's great. Um, I also like that um, they gave him they gave him an update to his outfit. You can't tell me that the whole black tactical thing with the, like the leather, like the black jacket wasn't cool looking. That was awesome. Oh, no, he looks amazing in this movie. But he keeps losing his clothes. But whatever. The, when you see him all like, you know, wearing all of it, you're like, that's that. That's a cool update to Snake. Hey, when you're in your 40s and you look that good, you show it off. <laughs> I mean, I am in my 40s and I look like a snake that keeps shedding its skin, but doesn't get rid of the old skin. That's what happens. It just keeps happening. Like it's a skin on skin on skin. It's bad. It's bad. I look like a snake that ate like three tennis balls and regretted the decision. I don't think any snake that eats three uh, tennis balls uh, regrets it. Well, because they're I dead. It, <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> like I went. I went to the Western Sizzling like uh, like potato bar, and that was it. My snake is full of potatoes. That's what happened. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're talking about things that we like, snake uh, russet skin. That's my. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love the little cameo from Robert Carradine. As oh. uh, like, I heard his voice, and I'm like, I'm like, God, that guy sounds familiar. And then, like, I stopped the movie, replayed it, and I'm like, oh, I think that's Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, I'm like, and, and I gotta we, look that up. And we just talked I, about him as the gas station attendant guy and body bags. Right, it's a and fun I, bit. I yeah. love that bit part because. One, it's one of the best moments, I think, in the movie is him just being a complete asshole to Snake. Snake dealing with it for, like, a brief second and then walking away. And then the guy being like, you don't walk away from me. And he's going to throw the knife at him. 
And Snake, I don't know, he barely turns his head, but just basically ends up shooting him. Uh, it's a very, like, Indiana Jones Thank you. and That's the what Sultan I was about to say. moment. It's just like, you're going to throw a knife at me? I have the world's largest gun. Deal with it. Yeah, I really love that. Um, actually, most of the action sequences... I, I enjoyed, like, I felt like all the, the close-up fighting, and, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the special effects as far as, like, the visual makeups are great, you know? Like, I'm like, why does Bruce Campbell look so weird? Why did they make him <laughs> look? Like, no. it's clearly Bruce Campbell as soon as you hear his voice, but like, why? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I guess it's a good choice because I didn't know it was him, but... No, he's so good in that. But yeah, let's, I want to talk about before about like whenever he's like whenever Snake's trying to get to Cuervo Jones's like motorcade and mm-hmm. he like he does the whole thing. Like, let's just do the gunfight like Bangkok rules. And he throws yeah. the can in the air and it's like he just shoots everybody. It's like that is amazing to me because it's like it's like he does. He doesn't care. Like he never follows rules. And they're like, sure, sure. Let's be honorable. I'm not honorable. I'm Snake Plissken. I might be shorter than you think I am. But screw it, I'm out. Like I love that sequence, which is um, very much a throwback to like that's a you know a Sergio Leone western like throwdown. Like it's it's so east when it hurts. I love it. I love that sequence. And uh, I like Stacy Keach an awful lot. Like upon this rewatch, the first thought that like jumped into my head is is like, oh man, he's overdoing it a little bit. But he ends his first scene by like spring like cactuses that are next to his computer. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I'm like, thank oh, you for bringing... I already know who this character is yeah. now. I'm like, I, I get it now. I love, I love that he's like uh Lee Van least, uh, versus <laughs> the first film, <laughs> but I like, but I love Stacy Keach. Right. But I also like the idea that, that we're in this, like, you know, Christian theocracy, like dictatorship of America where you can't have any enjoyments, but he still has like cacti in his yeah. desk where it's like, oh, what, and what are cacti? What, what are cacti? They, they thrive with the least amount of attention given to them. Like, I don't right. know what it is about that character beat that I love that like, as much as he's a hard ass and he's trying to like, you know, dictate like, like as pointed out by like, was it, you know, the United States police force or whatever it is uh, by, you know, the president. It's like, I got, you know what? I got to find my joy somewhere. Cacti. Like, I thank you for bringing that up because it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things that if you don't notice it, you don't notice it, yeah. but it's a nice little character beat for him. The only thing that I wish that I would have gotten from his character is, is I wish there would have been a moment where he just took off his hat and like a big luxurious <laughs> thing of hair fell out. Like, or, or a number, a number of snakes fell out. No, I'm kidding. Or a number of snakes. No, but, but, no, yeah, it would have been great they, if he would have done like the, like the, she's all that moment where like he took the hat yeah, off and just like, like shaking just... his head and like <laughs> his hair is like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, in this country, you know, we, there's so many restrictions except hair length. <laughs> yeah no but yeah when he first popped up i was like oh he's laying it on a little thick and then i saw him spray his cactus i'm like oh i get who this character is now he's, he's i'm in for a ride with him and I, I like the fact that uh it's very much the donald pleasant's lee van cleef sort yes. of like they're in a separate place the entire rest of the movie than most of the other characters and well then uh, do, do you notice how like how how exposition heavy the first part of this film is with him and michelle forbes like they're just like, like it's staccato, like boom, 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 about how everything's going on. It's like, it's like somebody has to tell the story. Why not Stacy Keach? You know, <laughs> yeah. like I do like yeah. that. I do. I just I like I know Lee Van Cleef. It's like if you can't have him, who's the, who? Who's a really great substitute? Stacy Keach. My God, you're absolutely right about that. 
Yeah, and it's funny too. Like you, you, you mentioned Cliff Robertson as being Uncle Ben. I hate to admit it, I can't see him and not think Uncle Ben when he first pops up. But I thought he was quite good here. Well, he was um, good. I just I like the fact that like you know we all understand that like he has to die for the world to be better uh, because it's his death that inspires the Spider Man. If he lives, shit shit turns <laughs> sideways. <laughs> I could have done uh, with more Peter Jason in this movie. It's not yes. like he's like a celebrity cameo. He, they could have found a way to like. He's the he's the Tom Atkins in this film. Like yeah. to like, like I would have yes. Like can I also say this: the Peter Jason he didn't realize that he was looking like older Meatloaf at the time. Like <laughs> that's not from a quote, right? He wasn't like I didn't realize it looked like older Meatloaf. No, the so. quote the quote is from me, Paul Stebman, as I say. Oh, okay. Peter Jason, aka Meatloaf Senior. I don't know. Anyway, but like, dude, like he'd been like, I would do anything for love, but I'm gonna kick you off to Los Angeles, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I just had a panic moment where I'm like, oh no, is he dead? And then I just looked him up. He's he's still alive. He had a short out last year, so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to know that he's still. Well, still good, working good, good. Alive. Sorry, I didn't mean to give you fear about that. But am I wrong about like the way they look? Like if Peter Jason would have showed up in Fight Club, that would have not been um like. Not that far of, removed. Yes. <laughs> so no, in terms of cast and everything, I like that. I also like that. Um, I, I, I understand and I appreciate what they're doing with Cuervo Jones being kind of like, he's trying to be like this mock revolutionary because he's as much as bullshit as the president is. It's all about mm-hmm. the power grab. Like I appreciate that, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't resonate, but I understand what's going on. Um, I do like, when they go to um, was it the LA Coliseum there? That's a callback to uh, in New York where it's you know whatever the bus station right with the big gladiator fight there. I get that, um, and I guess according to the trivia, uh, Kurt Russell hit all those basketball shots. That's fun that he actually made it a point to make sure he made all the shots on camera. That's cool, right? Like I thought that was cool. Yeah, there's part of me though that like if I was on the crew, I'd be like, God, do we really have to try and? do this while he tries to make a basketball shot. I mean, I'm sure it's great that he did it. Maybe the vibe was different, but if I heard that, I'd be like, oh, can't we just fake it? No, wouldn't have been like, I want to see an outtake version of this where it's like, like uh, 50, 60, 70, 80 takes later, but I'm going to guess with Kurt Russell. If like, here, here's the, here's the, he's the Chuck Norris to me. He hit every single, there was only four shots that were done for the film. The ones he made. I'm kidding. I don't know what that means, but no, I like, yeah, no, I like the idea. It's like, Oh, you're going to, you guys have your games. You have like, you gotta, you gotta point out your heroes and villains. Like I get that too. Right. But like, okay. So I like all that. Um, I like, uh, like, um, uh, freaking, um, Steve Buscemi is a lot of fun in this. Like I, no matter how young he is, he always looks old, but I did like him as uh map to the stars. Eddie, I thought he was great in this. He knew, he oh, knew yeah. the movie was in. Oh yeah, he definitely knew what movie he was in, and you know, I, I there are certain actors where I think back and I'm like, I don't know that I've ever seen something with Steve Buscemi where I didn't like his performance, and I think that that probably stands true here. Like I I can't think of anything. Uh, I I guess I meant to say that other actors where I I think like oh I can't think of a bad performance or or play a time where I didn't like them in a movie. I feel like he's one of those actors where. You throw him into anything, even if it's a terrible movie, your chances are you're going to be like, yeah, but Steve Buscemi was good in it. <laughs> and Pam Greer, like, great. 
I, my, like the only thing that has not aged well for me in this film, but uh, 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 against the, like the actual, like some of the, the computer effects is that Ooh. Kurt Russell's character snake would never acknowledge that, um, that the person he knew is now somebody else. <laughs> you know, I was hoping at one point, cause he keeps calling this person carjack who was, Hey, what he last time he saw this person, they were male. And by the way, why, like, why don't we get escape from Cleveland? Like they talk about how everything went bad in Cleveland this entire time. But I think the joke would be that Cleveland's not a prison or like a hellscape, but it's just Cleveland. That would be the best part about this. <laughs> they show Pliskin at like a Browns game. Yes. Like, like, like it's just like, Oh, how'd you get out of Cleveland? I don't know. I just didn't like, I got a job. <laughs> I don't know. Like whatever. Like I think it'd just be really, really funny considering that we know what New York is and like LA is. I think it would just be really funny if Cleveland was just like, yeah, things just didn't go well for a while there. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think that'd and be I, funny. I had a very brief <laughs> moment with Pam Greer's character where I was like, oh, was it like that they couldn't get Isaac Hayes back? And they were like, oh, we're just because I was like, was his character's name, you know, Carjack Jones or whatever it was that he kept referring to Pam Greer's uh, character as Hershey. Hershey. Um, Hershey. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I went and looked and I'm like, oh, no, he was the Duke in that movie. I'm like, yeah, so I'm no, like oh, and, and like, no, he, he wanted to come joke. back. They're like. Yeah, he we wanted to come him, back. So we got Pam Greer. Well, they just couldn't make it make sense, like, writing-wise, why his character be back after he died at the end of the first film. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if you don't have Isaac Hayes, Pam Greer's a, like, you don't, you can't go wrong with her, right? Like, not at all. But it's like, yeah, I thought she was great. Uh, the only thing is, like. I, I thought yeah. lowering the, the voice, though, was unnecessary. That was. I agree with that, too. Like, I, I think, get that you're, like, you know, him not recognizing it is is bad, but, like. That hadn't maybe that's just more about me me than anything where I'm like I didn't pick up on that, but I was just like we I'm like it's also funnier if she's got her normal voice. Yes. Like well, it'd be better, and then it like, could have been great like towards the end where it's like after he's been corrected like two or three times for him to be like Hershey like be thank you. He never so Snake Plissken is you know just you know like he's problematic in a lot of ways. <laughs> You know, like he just never, he just never gets over calling this person by, he never, he always dead names them. And it's like, I get that. I get that. That's a thing that, um, that you and I are now more aware of that we wouldn't have thought of at the time, but that is not aged well, but I love, I, I love Pam Greer in this role. I think, I think cause she's a badass in this. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you that it hasn't aged well, but I will say that I have, of, of movies that I've run into from the eighties and nineties where I've run into things where I'm like, Ooh, that's problematic. This yeah. wasn't as bad. <laughs> like, like Robert Carradine's better that, here. But... Robert Carradine's better here than he is in revenge of the nerds. It's like a yeah, less problematic. But, you know, <laughs> where I'm like, well, I'm like, it could have been a lot worse. Cause I've seen a lot worse. So, yeah, and that's, fair enough. I, I don't mean to minimize it by any means. No, no, no. Like we, we need to identify what it is. It's like, it's not aged. It's not aged. Well, but all things considered, it could have been a way worse, worse. <laughs> which is so messed up to say. Where it's like, oh, it could have been way worse. Like, hey, good on you, good on you, Carpenter, good on you, Carpenter. Be forward thinking, but like by half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's always been more like progressive. Like, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But it's like, I get that. It was I like, don't think he was making a statement. He I think was he making was a joke. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's like, all right, but then, yeah. So. 
whatever. Anyway, so because that's also too here. Here's the the, the quote from the book, and then also um, <clears throat> uh, the Al Gore that's going to be listening because we have four listeners and he's one of them. Uh, the key to understanding the pleasures of L.A. Escape from L.A. is understanding that it's a running commentary on the superficial, phony aspects of the city in which it is set. So this is more of a satire. It's kind of like t- like the attempt is to take the piss out of the first film, which I understand that you had a lot of fun with this. And I did too. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like the first film is kind of like very straight, straight faced and like, like forward, like facing. This is like, yeah, let's just have a lark. But it's like, it's one of those things. It's like until you're sitting in the theater watching it, you don't know that. Right. Like, so I think maybe the way it's kind of like, I mean, we know the trailer we listen to that. Like, we know there's the sarcasm there. We know it's like, there's a bent here, but it's like, if you love the first movie for, for, for what it is, it's like, it's, it's, um, we've also talked about sequels, like changing intent, which is good, but it was never, I don't think it was ever telegraphed. Like it's one of those things where you get to the end. I gotta tell you, I saw this one. uh, This came out in 96. I saw this in high school. And I came out being like, I don't know about this. Like, you know, like. Just, that was what made you give up religion. You're like, I'm throwing no. this Bible away. And <laughs> yes, yes. I was just like. There is yeah, no God. That's, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Of all the times we've talked about religion, it was me walking out of the theater after Escape from L.A. where I'm like, there is no God. That's what exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Thank you for pointing it out to me. Um, you know what? In hindsight, that's correct. That's not. That's not correct at all. <laughs> so I, I will say that uh, you know one of the reasons that I haven't watched it. Well, I, I already talked about how like I never actually consecutively sat down and watched the movie, but like I know my partner on the Saturday Slasher, Ryan. Uh, it's one of his most hated movies. Like he hates this movie, and I did uh, bring it up to him a couple of weeks ago. I was like, "Hey, man, we're gonna do it if you want to come on." Like Paul thinks it would be funny because I know you hate that movie, and he just started in, and I was like, "Oh boy!" So okay, um, can we just trick him without him knowing over to your place? A, do a second year of carpet? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, we could do like a situation like the loved ones. We just trick him into your house and tie him to a chair, <laughs> and uh, and then we make him watch the film, and he's like, "But I got," he's like, "I got to go to the bathroom." It's like, "Well, here's a cup. We're gonna watch this film." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could work on it. I don't think we'll have to go to that drastic of a measure, but uh, he's like the nicest, most laid, most laid back guy. I would not want to do that to him, but it'd be really funny to be like, "Hey, Ryan, haven't seen you forever. What's going on? We're just going to watch a movie. What was that noise? That was the doors locking. Just ignore it. It's fine." <laughs> there's been there's been a lot of ran, random bunnies happening around. Um, just you know, like just. Yeah. <laughs> There's, yeah, coy- there's coyotes uh, in the area of Port Clinton. Just like, you know what? <laughs> like, we were just protecting you. Can we watch Escape from LA? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we could, we could convince him easier, but uh, or in a much uh, less uh, dangerous fashion, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I, with that in mind, you know, the point that I was trying to make is, is that, you know, I guess I've kind of had like his hatred of this movie in the back of my head and the fact that I never like sat and watched it all the way through because it is like, you know, now that I think about it, I was watching it broken up and like, you know, if you if you watch just the submarine sequence and then you walk away from the movie and you're like, oh, do I go back and finish that kind of thing? Because it is not great, you know, that 
I'm not trying to like uh, I don't know what the expression is like put lipstick on a donkey is that is that the expression yeah lipstick on a pig lipstick on a pig um, you know I'm not trying to like say that this is you know a great movie but I don't think it's that far off from the first one um, and watching it you know I was able to enjoy it and I also you know this wasn't a first time watch so it wasn't like I went into this being like oh, God, why is it just bad effect after bad effect? Like, I guess maybe that doesn't occur to me now because I've spent so much time with it, I guess. Uh, but overall, I don't think it's that far from the original. I I, I think of this, uh, you were talking about sequels and you know how they can change what the original was, those types of things. This, to me, feels like the equivalent of Gremlins and Gremlins 2. I remember the first time I watched Gremlins 2, I saw it in the theater, and I was I like walked out and I was trying to convince myself I liked it because I was like I hated it at the time. <laughs> but like, oh, you know, like I guess this part's fun or that's fun, you know, because like to me, Gremlins, while I wouldn't qualify it as a serious movie, there's certainly no tongue in cheek in that movie, in my opinion. There's no like you know, like yeah, okay, they're there is there's well, much more there's much more black so what, humor as opposed to like Looney Tunes humor. Yeah, and I, I'm just like I was just gonna shoot myself in the foot. And I'm like, oh no, that's the entire bar scene is nothing but tongue and cheek. So there well, you go. Also, Steve, was but, it Billy's father at like the 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 convention? We're in the background. You see the time machine disappear, and people are like, what the what happened? You know, like we know. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I I was. I was making a, a bad point or, or no, making no, a point no, incorrectly. Uh, the reason I side is because you're actually making like the best point of like, th- this is the Gremlins 2 to Gremlins where it's like, you know, like I even, I think that's even more apt than um, uh, Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. This like, this is more like, yeah, like why do we like what we did? Can let's just take the piss out of it and have some fun with it. I agree with you on that. I think that's absolutely apt. That's, that's a really great uh, line to draw. So thank you for, uh, you know, making me feel bad for all the time like that I've been wrong about this film. I'm kidding. Continue. Well, you know, and I'll also say that uh, taking this in after you know the 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 rough the rough experience that I had uh, revisiting uh, Red Dawn, <laughs> the fact that we had you know Village of the Damned has it's nothing but potential. And it's not Carpenter's fault in a lot of ways, but that movie, it could have been so much better. Um, and then, obviously, the taste that was left in my mouth, even though Mouth of Madness comes in between uh, the two, you know, going from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Memoirs of the Invisible Man. I, I don't know why I blanked on Well, because we had that, then Body Bags, and then in the Mouth of Madness. But in, ter- in terms of the actual theatrical output, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Invisible Man is still my least favorite. Um, you know, I don't know where I place this, but I, I place it definitely above th- that and mm-hmm. uh, Village of the Damned. I can definitely tell you that. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess there were a lot of factors, too, that maybe this was a movie I needed right now, uh, where I was like, I didn't have to think about it too hard, which I know sounds like, oh, dummy. But, like, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, it was it was so far outside of reality, mm-hmm. um, even though uh, Red Dawn is ridiculously far outside of reality, except people don't get that. Um, 
I don't know. I maybe this is what I needed was just a silly, fun shoot 'em up, uh, you know, over the top performance like movie. You know, warts and all. And again, like I, I mentioned the 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 grindhouse treatment, where I'm like, you know, I kind of like to see this where like there's a little of the sheen taken off of it, and maybe you have some missing reels, quote unquote. But at the same time, I also want to say. I don't know. Would would this movie work better if somebody went in and redid the effects now? Because, I mean, that's that's the biggest problem with like, you know, George Lucas and the original Star Wars trilogy, is there are people who are like, no, we love the warts and all, you mm. know, of the original trilogy. Like, Stop I, changing it. I do wonder. So, I do wonder what we would have with if they, if if the double bill for Planet, like, sorry, um, Grindhouse would have been Planet Terror, and not Death Proof. But like another snake film with Kurt Russell, like in that stuntman Mike type of like grindy, terrible, like, I don't know, man, like you're not far off. Like, I think that would have been, there's something there that I think there's, there's some hooks there, but that's not what we got. We got, um, we got a film of the original film, which we talked about years ago that uh, like, we, I think we, we, we partnered that with the year in the knockoff with what the Bronx warriors, um, go back and find that out. Um, I, I love Escape from New York. It's not, is it a perfect film? Not at all. Is it like a hungry young filmmaker that it's limited budget? Absolutely. And this is like, this is a victory lap. It's kind of, it's kind of like a self-realized, like this is my own, own universe. I can do what I want. Um, good, bad, otherwise. And I can appreciate that. And Kurt Russell, considering this is his only writing credit, like makes you feel like he's like, yeah, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, like, but I need, I know, I know we're probably past it, but after all the other aging action heroes have their other so that other say, why can't we get another another Kurt Russell Snake Plissken film? Come on, right? Like, how cool would that be? Grizzled Snake Plissken. There are two things that I'm excited about right now, uh, as far as movies go. Okay, I, there are other things I'm excited for. Like, I am excited for Guardians Three, but. Uh, seeing a like 70 year old uh, Michael Keaton be Batman again. And then an 80 year old uh, Harrison Ford be Indiana Jones again. I live in a world where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on for this ride. You know, Um, a snake Plissken movie now would not be that far out of reach. Like I honestly, and I think I'd heard at one point that um, Rodriguez was involved with whatever they were doing. But I'm like, yeah, just give him, like, you know, whatever he needs to make that movie, minus, like, Kurt Russell's fees. I bet you he he delivers something really fun. Well, yeah, so there's a couple things. One, there was a proposed, like, sequel to this that was going to be, like, it had this film done well called Escape from Earth. That um that didn't happen, and then some elements of that got folded into Ghosts of Mars, which we'll get to. I've not seen that film in full. Um, and then also there's that film that has, um, shit guy Pierce called uh, lockdown. That is like basically escape from earth. That's like him. It's basically, um, escape from like New York, but like a space prison. So everyone talk there. Everyone talks about that being like a spiritual sequel to these films. So that's out there too, but it would be, I just, can I please have an old man, badass crossover of Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges? just wrecking shit. Please. And thank you. Like, you know, uh, Bill Pliskin and Phil Pliskin 
whatever, you know, the Pliskin bros are back. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because both the uh, movies that you just referenced is coming up, Ghost of Mars and, uh, um, oh shoot, what was the other, uh, Vampires. I, I have not seen either of those movies. Really? So I've seen yeah. Vampires. I've not seen Ghost of Mars all the way through. Uh, but we're in the tail end, everybody. So, everybody. so should people know in terms of the year of the Carpenter, um, we have five more entries to go. So we're going to finish out the year before the year's over. We have Vampires. We have Ghost of Mars. We have the two Masters of Horror entries and then the Ward. So that's where we're at. So we're almost at the end here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see what those experiences are. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to walk away from them, you know, with some sort of profound take, but now having gone on this journey, you know, I'm still at a point where I'm like his, his pluses are far outweigh his minuses in the sense of, you know, once I get past invisible man and, uh, village of the damned, I'm not saying it's a tight race because obviously there are things that are going to be in the, the first five spots. But, like, it's still a far better, like, ratio of good to bad than I can think of with a lot of things. And that's fair. And also, there's two other um, uh, things on the list that we did not get to originally because I was trying to confine this to the one year, which is, what was it? Somebody's Watching Me, that made-for-TV film, and then the Elvis film, which are way earlier in his uh, um, you know filmography. So, I don't know if we're going to do that on a wraparound, but we've seen the bulk, right? And we're on the, the back half. And I think that you're right. The, the, the positives completely outweigh the negatives. I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I did too. Um, but are, are there, are there problems with this film? I, I absolutely think so. Um, so I will say this though, that, um, I like, the, like, here's Carpenter's quote about this film. I like this. Um, the box office is, um, an improvement over in the mouth of madness in the village of the damned, but let's be honest, that's setting the bar very low. This is from the book. It came in at number 63 for the year and made just a little under 25.5 million. As Carpenter pointed out, it did better than the first one, but the first one also cost much, much less, (laughs) which I think is funny. He's like, yeah, it made more money. It's like, yeah. Versus what did you make the first one for? Um, As uh, considering the $50 million million invested by Paramount uh, in the picture of the film is another resounding flop. Carpenter's attempt at satirizing, satirizing, Satur- anyway, making fun Satirizing. of Satirizing. There you go. That's the word. Uh, the overproduced, overamped action film in the 90s earned a few appreciative nods, but the audiences couldn't be bothered. By the way, Roger Ebert loved this film. All things considered, he, he really thought this was a lot of fun. So I thought that was, like, in terms of, like, his critics, that was funny that he's like, Ebert got it, um, mm-hmm. you know, versus, like, a lot of people. So, um <clears throat> So yeah, I can't say words of uh, satirizing. There you go. Why would I say that now versus when I was reading out loud? Weird. Um, yeah. Is this my favorite? No. Is it lesser than um, Escape? Yes. Do I have the, Do they both have their problems? Sure. But it's I just it's one of those things that I have a hard time forgiving part of this where it's like you've come along so far, you know what you can and can't do, right? Like it's like whatever. Anyway. Like, I'm glad that you, you came away with a more positive outlook. I'm not saying that like you and I don't align on this, but like, you know, not, not one of like, in terms of where we're going to rate things, is it in the bottom half? No, 
but it's not, it's not, in, it's in the middle and that's okay. Um, okay. So, uh, two things, you know, I would be interested, you know, and I don't know why I'm going to this reference, but, uh, uh, it's the one that came into my head, you know, fan edits, you know, uh, there's a very famous one, which has never been released from, uh, Topher Grace who basically recut all three of the star Wars prequels into one movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be like amazing. Uh, and, uh, I would love to see like, like give him this movie. Like, what does he do? You know, like edit wise with the footage that they have. Like I, I, and, and again, people are probably yelling at me. Like, why don't you just find a real editor? Fine. I was just trying to think of somebody that I could use an example, but like, there is part of me that's like, I wonder what this would be like if somebody went in and re-edited it, you know, like what would that look like? But, um, I just was, we were talking, I started going through, um, a Carpenter's filmography and I'm just going to go through this real quick to illustrate that. I think that there is far more good than bad, but like, I'm just going to use this as a, like, will you rewatch again? Uh, so starting off here, and I'm only going to touch the movies we watched dark store, a dark store, <laughs> dark star. That's a no for me. Uh, I may end up rewatching it again at some point, but I don't know that it's something I need to revisit. It's a student film. I'm glad we watched it, but I agree with you. So no. Yeah. Assault on Pre- precinct 13. hundred percent. Yes. yes. Gonna watch but, that. Well, by the way, they also did the whole thing with snake being like, God spoke this entire time. I think that was a mm-hmm. call back to this film. Yeah, I read that in the trivia. I didn't remember that from Assault on Precinct 13, but it was like, well, it's on IMDb. No, Napoleon kept saying that. Uh, Also, by the way, we didn't even talk about how at the very end, the the pack of cigarettes he picks up is called the American Spirit. We get it, Carpenter. Calm down. Anyway, yes. (laughs) Uh, Halloween. Of course, I'm going to watch that. Uh, Maybe. I'm not going to say that I'll rewatch it again. I'm saying that I'll probably rewatch it a couple of times every year for the rest of my life. Eh, I don't know. It's Um, It's okay. Continue. (laughs) <laughs> you. Uh, the Fog. Yes, I'll rewatch The Fog. Yes. Escape from New York. Yes, yes. again. I'll rewatch. Uh, the Thing. I don't know. I've seen it a couple times. Um, Bullshit. I know you're out of your. It's, it's the greatest film ever made, so hush your mouth. Continue. Yes. Uh, Christine, which I ended up really liking upon my most recent watch uh, yes. for this show. Uh, uh, that's a yes for me. I'd rewatch that in a heartbeat. Starman. Uh, yes, again, I would yes. rewatch that. Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, I think I've already watched it since we did our episode. <laughs> uh, Prince of Darkness. Yes, I would rewatch that again. They Live. Yes. Okay, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes. Hot No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Body Bags. Yes. Yes. In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. yes. Village of the Damned. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I may rewatch that out of curiosity, but just, just, I I know I'm just kidding. So you've, and then escape from, from LA is next. Like, so there were like out of all those movies, there were like, what? Three no's, you know, that's two no's. And then also we've not actually considered the Elvis made for TV film, which is different. And somebody's watching me. So we've not actually covered those, but you're talking like, you're talking like 80, 80, 20. Yes. That's amazing. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's a hell of a percentage of like things that I'm like, yes, I'd rewatch all of these films, mm-hmm. you know. Um I I would include Escape from LA in that group. And I, and 
again, I I may pick up if I can come across it cheap the Shout Factory uh, version of it with you know extras and stuff like that because I I get where Carpenter is coming from with this one at least you know and I had fun with it and maybe that's you know the lightest way to look at it because there is I'm clearly in the uh, minority by looking online at some reviews for this film. Uh, but, you know, I just think that uh, it's it's got some problems, but overall, um, I had a fun time with it, and that's all I really needed from a Snake Plissken movie. No, I agree with you. So I just think that, like, uh, oh, did I give this three and a half out of, like, five on Letterbox? I think three and a half, like, three, three and a half, I think that's where it lies. Right. Versus like the four, four and a half, I think I gave for escape, whatever it is, what it is. Right. Like, so I'm glad we talked about it. Of course, it's our year of carpenter. So I'm glad we got to it. Sorry. You're going to say something. Nope. I was trying to hide a burp. There you go. <laughs> call me, call me burp. Anyway, like, no, anyway. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for our discussion about, um, escape from LA. Uh, I, I still, I, I understand. So there, there's been other comic adaptations of snake, uh, other things going on. And then there was talk of like an escape from New York video game. Um, there was a lot going on with like Deborah Hill being involved, but then she was a guy diagnosed with like brain cancer. And then like she died quickly after. So a lot of this kind of fell away. Rightfully so. Cause people are involved are probably like, I don't want to deal with this now because we lost a friend like rightfully so. But there was other times that Snake may have showed up. Like, and also knowing that like Snake as a character inspired um, like um, like Metal Gear, where the the character of Solid Snake, like you could tell that like Snake as a character and as an idea has permeated pop culture. Right? You wouldn't have a thousand Metal Gear games without Escape from New York. Yeah, and I feel like it it might be Boom Studios. Somebody at one point in the last like ten years has had. Uh, the license for comics for both uh, Big Trouble in Little China and at least if not Escape from L.A. slash New York, uh, at least the character of Snake Plissken. Yes. I, I'm almost positive at one point there was a like a a crossover where they're like it's it's, you know, um, I want to say uh, Pork Chop Express, but that's not his name in the movie. What the hell is his name? Jack Burton. <laughs> Uh, the, the moment you said poor job expressed my brain, my brain went blank. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> no, but like, no, yeah, no, Jack Burton meets snake Plissken. And then there was also like, I think there was a bit too, where they brought in, um, Oh, what's his name from the thing. I think there's a crossover with the McCready? three of them. Really? McCready, I think so. Cause it's like, wow. how, how many Kurt Russell's can you have? Right. So all of them. And also like the sneaker though, like was the computer, the, the computer that were sneakers. You know, like whatever. Anyway, the sneaker yeah, that were computers. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds fun, and now I'm I may have to go look for those issues because, uh, you know, after after revisiting this, I could definitely use some more Snake Plissken in my life. Right. I just there's a lot here to explore. I really really dig it. Um, I need I I need a Plissken Punisher team up. Right. Uh, like how much that they would care about their own, but like not give a shit about anything else going on. That'd be amazing. But yeah, that would be so much fun. Um, no, th- this is, this is a fun film. Also, it, like I, I tell you that when I, when I would go rewatch it recently, I, I um, put on Amazon uh, to check it out. And I'm like, I already bought this. <laughs> it was like a year ago. It must've been on sale for like four bucks. I'm like, all right, I guess it's in my library. I'm going to watch it again. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's worthy of the watch. Just set your expectations that, um, like as much as, um, friend of the show, uh, and an amazing podcaster, Oak Rose, like it's a satire. Appreci- yes. I, that, I don't think that forgives its blemishes. That that's where I'm going to put that that way, where it's like, is it perfect? No. Do I understand the intent? Yes. But just because I understand where they're coming from, that doesn't mean that I do. I need to accept flaws and all. Does that make sense? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, you know, it's, it's certainly not, it's by no means a perfect movie. Uh, I think, uh, just the way it shook out was, is that, uh, I had more fun with it upon this watch than I had previously. And, uh, you know, it'd be one thing if you were just shitting on this for no reason, you know, or didn't have a take at all. I think that would be far worse. Can I tell you the hot take that was thrown at me while I was watching this on Saturday? This will make you laugh and make you mad. Uh, I I posted, I was watching this and our, uh, a friend of ours who, um, he's like, he's like, you're watching this. I never want to hear you talk about skin and rink again. I'm like, Hey, something happens in this movie. (laughs) Good, bad, or otherwise things happen in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. You're not wrong. (laughs) I I (laughs) like, do we find out that like, that's like, Put the fork in your eye, snake. Like that's why he's wearing the eye patch. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. I I don't know. I'd watch this in a heartbeat over Skin of Marink again. Yeah. Um, you know, that might have been the only thing to put me asleep faster in the hospital and then the anesthetic. So <laughs> if you're like, are you worried about what's going on? You're like, no, it's like, we're gonna show you skin of brick. <laughs> 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 They'd be like, oh, there's no anesthetic. We could do like psychic surgery on him. Just like take all his organs right now. I wouldn't even know. Like whatever. <laughs> I don't know why this just pops in my head, but like I, I, I know we're ending the episode, yes. so I should should let the the show end gracefully. But instead, I'm gonna step all over it. Um, my wife is on the city council for the town that we live in now, and anytime that she says something that I find like odd or funny, I will like put her name in like a fake political campaign where I'll be like councilwoman Kathy King doesn't like grapes you know like <laughs> I'll, I'll do that thing but like oh. I'm now picturing like you know uh, there being like a version of that for us where it's like Stephen Paul didn't like Skinamarink but they gave Escape from LA a three and a half stars oh do you really want to listen to their podcast? Have you ever, there's, there was a very limited, like you look it up on YouTube. It's called rabbit and mouse. They had like three videos. And then one was like a political video. It's like, like rabbit killed a man. It's like, it's like, it's the whole thing. It was like, like, what was it? Made for by friends of rabbit. It was like made by friends of mouse. It's like, you know, like this whole thing where it's like, you know, um, what was the whole thing? It was like, you can't vote for a dead man. Anyway, so continue. No, I like it. It's no, like, that, that uh, was all. I just, you know, I, I get that, like, in a, in a world where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not able to, yeah. uh, watch, uh, uh Red Dawn without, like, uh, I just want to be like, 
Stephen Paul are not pro gun, but they're pro wacky wigglers. What kind right. of what kind of world are, like they want to have? Like <laughs> they're pro hang glider. <laughs> but they what they didn't tell you was yeah. those people oh. have guns. Yeah. They they're not a fair. They don't want people to have guns, but they're all pro enchilada. What's that mean? <laughs> Steve, one point, Steve one wants you to said, have it your way, but he wants to have it his way. What's going on? Anyway, yes. At one point, they said this movie could be more problematic. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it doesn't deserve the ire that it gets, but at the same time, uh, I get why people don't like it. I, I do at least understand that this isn't a. Uh, a moment where I'm like, people are crazy. Like I get, you know, why you may not like it, but I had fun with it. No, it's and just I one of those things. Like, I agree. Like, okay, so I'll put it this way: uh, when I was this age, um, I saw this in the theater, and also, like, this is not the same thing. Not to stretch this out, but like, I saw Demon Knight in the theater at the same time. Like, not the same day, but you know what I mean. It's like, which one was being more like over the top, like on purpose? Both of them were, but both of them were working on different levels. And when I came out of Escape from LA, I'm like, I don't know about that. So it always hit me weird. And I'm not saying it's perfect because I have a lot of problems with it. But you know what? It's, it's not that it's not that bad. Like, you know, it's like, like, um, I don't know. Like, it is what it is. Right. So, like, I think I think we're coming on this. I think that um, you appreciate this more than I do. That's fair. I th- that's completely fine. I'm, I'm talking like it's it's. um it's a matter of degree, not, um, not agreeance. Does that make sense? Like in terms of like percentage wise, we may be on different, different like levels, but we're on the same side of it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I, I certainly wasn't trying to make it sound like I was challenging your view of it. Cause no, I, no, wasn't. No, no, like, no, I get, no, like, I totally get why, you know, what doesn't work for you and, and you know, the issues that you have with it. Uh, I guess just for me, it hit me at the right time. Um, I don't know. I'm just not an unabashed champion for this versus like some other things that I love a great deal, which I just like to wrap this up. Like, because the new evil dead, the evil dead rises in the theater. People are like ranking their evil dead films. Like I, like they do like their top five, like of like how it's ordered. Like I want can I tell you where I'm at with this? I've not seen any of the evil dead rise. I want to be like army of darkness, army of darkness, army of darkness, dark man, Army of Darkness. That's where I'm at with my, my top five. <laughs> well, I, I guess I would, you know, uh, I, I would probably say like Army of Darkness, Ash versus the Evil Dead, oh, well, season enough. one. Yes. Ash versus the, the Evil Dead, season two. Ash versus the Evil Dead, season three. Then Evil Dead two. So like, Fair enough. I would, I Fair would enough. just piss people off with that too. So I just think it's funny that I'm just like, yeah, well, what about Darkman? It's like, that's not Evil Dead film, is it? <laughs> anyway, so, all right. That's going to do it for our discussion about um, uh, Escape from L.A. Thank you, Steve, for, um, like, this. I was worried this was going to be, like, a, like a three-minute conversation. And it got, you know, like, as we. <laughs> as if we could do that. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so um, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, Steve, uh, where can people find you? You guys can find me, uh, on Facebook and Instagram under the Sarah slasher. You can, uh, 
Uh, find me on Twitter under the Saturday Slasher. You can go to my website at thesaturdayslasher.com. <clears throat> and lastly, if you want to uh, buy a copy of the Saturday Slasher issue one or two, uh, you can visit our Etsy store, which is Art of the Slash. Uh, and I want to also mention, if you go to my website, thesaturdayslasher.com, there's a link right there on the website. Uh, so you can get to, without having to search Etsy, you can get to my stuff just by clicking that link. Right. So, all right. And you guys can find us on uh, Invasion of the Podcast. We have a Facebook page. Uh, where we're posting things sometimes. You guys can email us directly at invadingpodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate reviews would be greatly appreciated. Also, again, go check out that, um, that uh, twerp aside, uh, Talk Without Rhythm. Um, it's there. I, I have, one second. I have the website up here. Do I have it up? Maybe. Um, anyway, we talked about it. Like, go do that. Go listen to us talk about Alien. Uh, it's um, Alien Day Special uh, 2023. It is uh, twerp uh, podcast uh, blogspot.com. Something, something, something. Go to his, like, go to his um, blog. Find it. It's a lot of fun. So, all right. Um, we're going to take the week off because, my God, we've been busy. And Steve has a lot going on. And I do, too, because I have two more podcasts this week to get to. Because... <laughs> Um, I, I, I know no suffering. I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was, I supposed to interject there and be like, no, no, no. Well, also, can I tell you that, um, we're recording this on the 26th of April. Um, uh, the launch of invasion of the podcast was April 29th, 2015. So I know you weren't there for it initially. You've been here for the bulk of it. Uh, we're going to hit our eight year anniversary for the show. Wow. Soon. So are we going to do something big or are we going to have like, you know, no, we're taking guests. the week off. We're taking the week off. To celebrate oh, thing. It's no. next week. Like that's the anniversary. Well, then, No, next week. Sorry. It's two days from when this gets released, but I'm saying like, Oh yeah. So okay. what I'm saying is that you've been part of the show for probably, um, six, six, seven years, seven and a half years. I don't know. Like I appreciate Joe. We love him to death, but you've been here for the bulk of it. Uh, so yeah, eight years, eight years of just saying nonsense into a microphone. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I, you know, it's no different than just me sitting around my house saying nonsense. You know, <laughs> I try to do this show with my wife, but she turns me off like about halfway through. She's just like, I can't do this anymore. Go to your office. <laughs> and you're like, but action figures, action figures, action figures. Anyway, so it's one of the things that she's like, she's like, I, I never even knew what a point of its articulation was. I'd never even heard of that, that term <laughs> until I started dating you. <laughs> and she walked away. I, I don't know. If you're going to be a public figure, you need to understand what a point of articulation is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Um, we're going to take a week off. Uh, TBD, what's coming next? Because um, you know what? Big celebration. I think that's what we should do. Celebrate. <laughs> like, just, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll get a cake. Sure. Um, like, like 45 minutes apart. We will we'll separately eat cakes. I don't know what that means. Uh, we'll figure it out. Anyway, everybody, um, like, yeah, have a good time. Um, in the meantime, you know what? Just pay like a couple bucks to watch escape from LA. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know. Uh, hot, call me snake. Call me hotshot. Whatever. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh my gosh. These are real. The Bruce Campbell grabbing breasts without, um, you know, permission. Yes, yeah, I, I get that. 